0: So, Lucas, as I've been known to do, um, mm-hmm. I have been trawling the internet for really bad takes. Would you oh, like yeah. to hear a bad take? That seems tailor-made to annoy you. I I love bad takes, Carl. Okay, so, Lucas, um, this is a bad take here. After playing Genshin Impact, I don't feel like I need to experience Breath of the Wild anymore. Thoughts? that noise says it all <sighs>
1: it's like, I don't know what to say
0: it's like Lucas I, I don't need I I ate a rustless hamburger I don't need to try steak I know what beef tastes like yeah you've experienced it it's fine yeah, I've tasted beef I know what it tastes like but this is a steak but no I've had beef before I had a rustless hamburger like three weeks ago <laughs> <laughs> but this is steak. Nah, I'm good.
1: I'm all right. Oh Jesus, fucking Christ! So I, I pray for people. God, I don't really. But
0: we don't Jesus deserve fucking video okay.
1: games. I don't. We don't deserve Breath of the Wild. And clearly, that person does not, because they like I've played Genshin.
0: Oh fucking hell! Like out, that so.
1: game where I immediately, you know, ran and climbed the first cliff I saw. Like in Breath of the Wild, I noticed the character didn't even attach to the wall and was just floating to the side of it.
0: No, you have said like it's one of those games where you had your hands on it for 30 seconds and then within that 30 seconds knew that it was not the game for you because it just yeah. did not feel good.
1: Yeah, I saw yeah. assets basically ripped straight from Breath of the Wild with a colour change and then tried climbing a wall and
0: went, no, this does not feel good at all. I'm going to leave it. And isn't that a really neat thing about video games? Like More yeah. than any other media, you can tell within literally seconds whether or not the game is good. So and
1: obviously there is nuance to how good a game is. But if a game just feels awful to play from the get-go, it's like, I don't need to play this then.
0: Yeah, it's like with music, I think it's the only other one where you can do it. Where if you listen to a song and within like five seconds, it's like, this is not for me. Like It's too loud or just like the intro just doesn't grab you. Because mm-hmm. like, I've i've uh, had some criticism of, well I like that in the past of um, my way of finding new music is i'll just go on spotify it's like start radio for a song that i like and then listen to the first 30 seconds of a song and if it yeah. doesn't grab yeah. me in that 30 seconds just skip and i'll do that for like on a jog or something like that and then when i get to the end of my jog i'll go through the songs that i liked and then add them to my playlist it's like oh but how do you know if you like a song if you don't listen to all of it And goes, well I don't like listening to the first 30 seconds and if i have gonna listen to the song I have to keep listening to that 30 seconds why would I listen <laughs> to that first 30 seconds I don't like?
1: That's um, like similar to what I do because uh, Spotify has like the oh discover weekly playlist yeah, or whatever I do the same thing and I literally just once every you know well it was once every week mm. when I was leaving the house when I was travelling or whatever but mm. under normal circumstances not working from home I'd um just click on that, and as you say, 30 seconds for each song, just skip. If I don't like it, if I do like it, listen through the whole song, and then at the end, just go, yep, yeah, I like this, 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 and this. They can, you know, I can go find a couple more of their songs,
0: listen to the artists, figure out whether I like them or not. Mm-hmm. But I just like that, though, of um, but how do you know you don't like it if you haven't listened to the whole thing? It's like, well, I don't like the start, Yeah, the start's the most important bit, and if I don't like that, I'm pretty sure I'm not going to like the rest. It's yeah, like, it's uh, weird. It's the uh, media equivalent of just not liking someone's handshake. <laughs> and it seems like really harsh to judge someone by something so simple and so superficial and just so immediate. But the words first impression, like the, the adage is first impressions matter. Yeah. And I'm just wondering, like, what's the best first impression you've had from a piece of media? In this episode 62 of the podcast, Carl's Corner. Oh, there we go. There we go. I got it. did
1: it. The amount of times that like, you ask me, just and then don't what mentioned. episode is it? And I'm like... I get to the end when I'm editing and go, we never actually said, but oh well. <laughs> we did it this time, God. we managed Wait,
0: it. What is the best like first impression you've had from a piece of media?
1: Ooh. I mean, that's some... That's some work, isn't it? I mean, to be honest, Breath of the wild got to be up there. Of just when, you, like, second one. Second one got- when you just, you get out and you just see that panning shot over the Great Plateau and over all of Hyrule and you're like, oh my God. This is it. This is the one. I remember playing it through with you when it got to that that moment, you know,
0: two minutes in, and you were just like, oh. This is a fucking video game, all right. Yeah. I think uh, for me, like, uh, it's not my favorite game, but I think it's one of the games where it's like, it just immediately sold itself. Mm. Like, within like two, three minutes, I'm like, I'm sold. And it is the game Transformers Devastation, which I've talked about at length and will always sing the praises of. It's one of the best character action games out there. Mm-hmm. And that is a huge mark for the Transformers, like Gen 1 specifically, just aesthetic, yeah, yeah. And just, like, the toys and stuff like that. I'm not a huge, big nerd in regards to the lore, because there's a lot mm-hmm. of Transformers love. I just like the idea of robots in disguise and that op- iconic Optimus Prime voice, the Peter Cullen. Yeah, amazing. Like, just and, and all the dumb stuff about Transformers and getting hands on that game. And, it, one, it feels incredible. Like, mm. just when you move your character and they have that specific weightiness, but the deliberateness to their movements and there's a snappiness to the dodges and stuff like that. yeah. And when the first mission is, within, I think, two minutes of playtime, you're playing as Optimus Prime, your first mission is beat Megatron. (laughs) It's like, I've been playing for a minute and a half and Megatron's here and then this ridiculous butt rock soundtrack comes in and Megatron is turning into a tank and launching giant purple projectiles in every conceivable (laughs) direction at once. As Optimus Prime is just standing, T-posing and rotating on the spot at 100 miles an hour and just knocking away um, tiny robot cars. Oh, God. And I went, you know what? This is a fucking good video game.
1: Yeah, fair enough, yeah.
0: And um, I, I will
1: say there's one more that I thought of, and mm-hmm. it's going back to like my childhood, and it was the first time I ever played Super Smash Brothers. Oh, okay. Now, I did not know this game existed. I had no clue what it was. I just went round to a friend's house and just was like, what's this game? He went, Oh, it's just some game where like Mario fights Pikachu. Like, right, we're playing that right now. <laughs> we're playing
0: this video game.
1: And I played one match of it with him. He's like, I don't really like this. So I just turned around to him and went, Okay, can I borrow it from you then? And took it until Melee came out and gave it back <laughs> to him.
0: And he just never asked for it back.
1: Like, I gave it back, but no. it was just he literally just turned around and was like, Yeah, you can take it home with you. Like, I don't care. And he clearly didn't even care about getting it back, but I'm not the type of person to, you know, do that and not give it back. Mm-hmm. But it was just that idea of, I played one match, he's like, I don't want to play this anymore. I was like, I fucking do.
0: Yeah. Like, I'm going to take this home with me. There's some good stuff like it's where uh, I think music-wise, uh, the clo- the closest I've ever had to that is music, is the first time I listened to the band Dragon Force. Oh, yeah. Uh, which is like an extreme speed metal band. And uh, basically it is just guitar solos. Yeah. All their songs are seven minutes long and they have three minute guitar solos in them. <laughs> and I just remember when I'm like a, a, a little nerdy kid, so like I'm like now, but shorter. Mm. And just like a friend of mine was like, Carl, you need to listen to this CD. And he gave me a CD because that's like, you know, how you, like the time we lived in where you gave people CDs to recommend music. Yeah. And it's just this album, it says Dragon Force, Valley of the Damned. And there is just this ridiculous like artwork on the front of like i think it's like a lady firing a sword and lightning into the air mm-hmm. and i go click it and the first thing is it's i think the first song on that album is like a 15 second long um piano interlude called invocation of um primordial evil or something like that <laughs> which i later found out was a deliberate piss take for people uh, for artists to make over elaborate names for their songs and the songs are shit. Oh, okay, yeah. And then Dragon Force is a deliberate teardown of that genre of we're going to do that and call our lamest song a 15-second piano interlude, like, the most hype thing ever. <laughs> and then every other song on our album is going to be, like, a seven-and-a-half-minute-long guitar solo. And the first time it came out. This is all I want to listen to now. This is the genre I am going to base my personality around.
1: Yeah, I had a very similar experience where, like, going through... You know, like primary school and mm. growing up in that, um, never really got to listen to any rock music and like the radio stations, my family and family friends played, Pop. again, not much rock music on. And then like in high school, in year seven, someone gave me a Led Zeppelin CD to listen to and my mind was fucking blown.
0: Yeah, I'm guessing there's a lot of people listening to this that are older than we are. and They yeah. probably had a similar thing like something like Metallica. The yeah. first time they heard a Metallica song, it's like, what the fuck is this music? What is this? Yeah. Why did nobody tell me that music could be this loud and this hype? Mm-hmm. I, the first time I, I would love to go back in time and just see people's reactions like when Master of Puppets first came out and they played that on the radio.
1: Oh yeah, because that was one thing of like me on my own discovering Led Zeppelin what 20, 30 years after they came out. Yeah. I'm not sure the timeline of them, but um Yeah, me discovering them way down line. But imagine the entire world hearing that for the first time, being like, what the fuck is this?
0: What is this? What is this? And huge? not in a
1: bad way, like modern music. you know.
0: But just that thing of like, what is this? And um, like how uh, your mind was. But I think that's an experience a lot of people have. because Whenever I mm. speak to other people who like like heavy metal and that sort of thing, it's always, they never listened to it as a kid. Yeah. Like, the people yeah. who were super into it, it's never like, like their parents were into it. Mm-hmm. It's always that. They got to about like 12, 13 years old and were just scrolling on like, um, the radio stations or on TV um, like you know, MTV and they got to like Kerrang or yeah. yeah, and they just heard this like thumping riff like the fuck is this and it blew their mind and that's that's it so I took God. and it's weird it's like video games and music you get that with but you never get it with film you always have to give film more of a chance. Like I've never once seen a film where within thirty seconds that I know I need to watch this. You always, it's always like around like the the half an hour mark is when you kind of know, mm, yeah, yeah, it's gonna be something that you're gonna like a lot. And the same with TV, where you always have to give TV like one or two episodes.
1: Mm-hmm. And I, I think it's different with like certain things because obviously you get IPs that you're attached to. Say for example, going into a Batman film, it's like if it's done half well, there's a good chance I'm going to like this because I fucking like Batman. Yeah. But um, it's going
0: blind on something like But going film. in
1: completely blind on something that you have no prior attachment to, yeah, film is a very weird one of like, you've got to sit down with it and, and take it in a bit more.
0: Yeah, and it reminds me there's a story about my brother. Uh, my brother is like, he's a typical man. Like He's a fucking mechanic for God's sakes. And okay. his girlfriend wants to watch The Crown. is a big show. Oh here. yeah. And um, his girlfriend's watching The Crown. I'm, like, oh, I'm not watching that. The typical man thing, we're all not watching that. It's about like fucking women and like oh, jewelry and makeup. Shit. And then yeah. his girlfriend's like, Well, do you mind if I watch He's like, Oh, that's fine. I'll just like play FIFA or something because they've got two TVs. Mm. Uh, he'd like, scroll on his phone. And then slowly he started finding himself being like, So what's going on in this scene? Do you know, like when you leave the room <laughs> to get a cup of tea? You come back in and go, okay, Yeah, so what did I miss? And she goes, I thought you didn't like it. And he goes, No, yeah, I don't like it, but I want to know what's going on. She goes, So you like it then? <laughs> And it turns out he got really, really into it. And now, for like I think when the fourth season or whatever came out, the, the latest one, him mm. and his girlfriend like booked off the weekend so they could watch The Crown. He's <laughs> like, there it is. Yeah. Never and judge a book not by its often, cover.
1: Yeah, it's not often happened to me because like I've assumed I won't like it. Um, it's like Jenna was watching Queen's Gambit and I just went, I, I'm not in the mood to watch this right now. I've heard I, it's really good. I've had but that, But then, yeah. yeah, every time I popped in while she was watching, it was like, I'm just going to stand here for five minutes and watch a bit, because this looks really cool. That's I've heard it th- described as anime
0: with chess. <laughs> <laughs> so speaking of like anime, <laughs> I've watched all of Cobra Kai and my girlfriend had the same experience as you, where mm. I was, wa- I watched like season one and two because I thought it was good, and then season three came out on New Year's Day, and I was oh, watching oh, right, okay. it, and I went to my girlfriend, oh, do you want to watch this with me? Because we watched season one and two together. She's like, oh no, I'm not too fussed. Like, are you sure? Because I'm gonna put it on, and I'm not gonna put another episode on. If you, <laughs> and then it got to the point where like she's in like um, the other half of the room doing some work, and then yeah. she could just she kept looking over at the screen and goes. So what's going on now? Ah, like, oh, you like it, don't you? We <laughs> <laughs> ended up binging the entire season in one day.
1: Yeah, I need to um, watch that, but I want to go back and watch Karate Kid like. Uh... I've heard, on it, it, my like correct insane, you kind of only need to watch the first one.
0: Just watch the first one, and then the second one and the third one are the same movie again.
1: Yeah, yeah. And then
0: there's like a fourth one that has Hillary Swank in it called The Next Karate Kid.
1: Oh yeah, and then the, there's like the weird reboot with Jaden Smith, isn't there? Yeah, you don't need to watch that one. No, ignore that one. Do
0: <laughs> you know as well that that's not even a good like Karate Kid movie when he learns Kung Fu?
1: What?
0: Yeah, you don't even learn karate because it's Jackie Chan and Jackie Chan doesn't do karate because it's Japanese martial art and Jackie Chan's fucking Chinese. (laughs) (laughs) It's so dumb. Oh, 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 That's
1: that's ballsy.
0: The closest they get to it is like someone calls him, oh, you're a karate kid. He goes, no, it's not karate, it's kung fu. It's like when the main character is telling you he's not doing karate, (laughs) is it the karate kid anymore? (laughs) the whole fucking point of the karate kid is that he learns this special kind of karate Miyagi-do karate after Mr. Miyagi and in the TV show they've like started to explore it more because obviously in the 80s this is just an excuse it's like it's an old Asian man of course he knows martial arts (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the TV show have, like built up this mythology around Mr. Miyagi, like oh, that's oh, amazing. like it's Street Fighter or something, and that he knows that like the Satsui no <laughs> Because they're talking about I shit you not, Lucas in season three. Oh yeah, Miyagi Do Karate has the one, like the one uh, has the touch of death. They oh talk about how you can ki- Miyagi Do Karate has secret scrolls teaching you how to kill people. Is he like Goken or something? Yeah. <laughs> He is now. Jesus like, Christ! Initially, you have just like, oh, he, he does some good karate, but like yeah. now in the TV show, they're talking about, oh yeah, there's a secret pressure point like combat in Miyagi Do, and they're like, <laughs> uh, do you know that thing they do in anime where you punch someone's like, I can no longer attack. Yeah, my arm has been like when they get hit and their arm starts working because of like pressure points. They're actually mm. putting that in the show. Oh my god! So you have like. Fucking 60-year-old Ralph Macchio just fighting and just, like, pressure point-pasting people. <laughs> it's so good. It's, it's just anime now, and I love it. That's what I need to hear. Yeah, it's like, it starts... It's one of those shows as well where it is carried by the performance of the main guy, who's, uh, I think, it's William Zabka, Yeah, who played Johnny in the original. And in the original movie, he's a basically a non-factor. He's in it for, like, five minutes. Yeah, he's basically there to just give a bit of lip. Like he's the most generic of the generic, just eighties mm-hmm. bully like villain. And they give so much pathos to him, and he's like, you know, just—they've got long lingering shots of him just drinking it alone in his apartment doing nothing. Like, oh no, Johnny! <laughs> oh
1: god! But I've heard like they lean into the um the whole you know fan. I don't even want to say theory, but just the fan. Pointing out of just
0: he is the essentially the real Karate Kid. Yeah, he is the Karate Kid because um he's the guy who trained all his life, and then Daniel san comes in and he learns like Karate in a summer and beats and just him, kicks him in the face, it's and like... he beats him with an illegal kick. And then yeah. they keep bringing that up and how like, well, it wasn't an illegal kick because the referee didn't call it. And what he said, no face kicks. And you kick me in the face. <laughs> <laughs> oh god, he just turns into anime. I love it. Oh, it's so good. <laughs>
1: <laughs> the more I hear about it, it's always been on my watch list, but it's creeping up my watch list very quickly because of how people are raving about it. It's so Because
0: much. it's so stupid, like yeah. watch it as if it is anime. Oh, that's all I'm intending on doing. Yeah, and it has like some of because it's set in the 80s, or so it's like got the 80s vibe to it. Mm-hmm. And because um, Johnny Lawrence, um, Dan, uh, Williams Abker, I think it is like the main character. is like just a heavy metal nut. They just have so much heavy metal in there. And it's really oh, like 80s one. style, just like crunchy metal <laughs> as he's like driving around in his fucking top down um, uh, car like an absolute jackass. <laughs> it's so fucking good. I love it. <laughs> and then, what <laughs> I just love though, the lionizing of Mr. Miyagi. So yeah, I swear but, down, like, if they, in one episode, just next time go, did you know that Mr. Miyagi invented the Satsui Nuhado? He's the first man to have ever done a raging demon. He beat like he fought in World War II, he raging demoned across the beaches of Normandy, and that's how he got all his medals. i will I'll buy it. Like, if they throw a fucking Hadouken in the next season, I will not buy an eye. I'm like, yeah, of course. <laughs> Of course you like, can do that. I'm genuinely expecting them to start throwing key blasts. <laughs> that's how anime is getting. Oh, that's incredible. <laughs> it's so fucking good. Oh, but I, I apologise. But I've just now realised I need to take go to the bathroom. I'll go for it. Because so I've took a big sip of coffee and gone. Oh no, Joe you know that moment. <laughs> yeah. So I'll go bathroom break and then we'll continue. I apologise, folks. So we're back, and Lucas, speaking of anime, did you happen yeah. to see, like, the top ten anime betrayals that happened over um, the weekend on Twitter? Uh, no. With Bean Dad betraying
1: Bean Dad. I I am aware of Bean Dad. I read through the thread of
0: Bean Dad. Okay, so I think everyone listens to this knows Bean Dad, and if you listen to this in the future... You know Bean Dad because you know you've seen the ten-part documentary series on Netflix about it. <laughs> so, Lucas, well, for people who maybe aren't familiar with Bean Dad. Say who Bean Dad is. Who is Bean Dad?
1: Uh, I don't actually know what the guy does. All I uh, know is do that what he he's... does. He
0: fucking like, wrecks himself on Twitter.
1: He does. Um, and he's just some guy that basically John put it out. Huh?
0: I've got I've got his name. Here. It's John Roderick.
1: Oh, okay, he's and he basically is... a podcaster and musician. Podcaster and musician. Yeah. And he's a, a bad
0: father, I guess, He's as a well. terrible father. So uh, uh, essentially, this story is a man, because you know it's a man when we say that he was really... He thought everyone needed to know about me being smart and excellent and wonderful today. Yeah. And um, at some point over the last couple of days, he just tweeted a 40-tweet thread about his daughter asking him for some food. His nine-year-old daughter, and he responded, get a tin of beans, and this entire thread is just him being a dick to his daughter and not helping her get this tin of beans. Carl, it was a
1: teachable moment, okay? It was a
0: teachable moment, yes. And um, essentially, it was just a smarmy, smug prick flouting his superiority over his nine-year-old daughter. Mm Mm-hmm. And then, because that's the weird thing about it, where it's like, he's, I read through the thread. It's now been deleted for reasons that will become clear in about okay. two three minutes. Um, just throughout it, he, he uses it as a thing about, oh, kids, it's that energy of kids today don't know how to look after themselves. Like, but this is your daughter. If she yeah. doesn't know how to look after herself, it's because you're a shit dad. <laughs> that's the thing, isn't it? Yeah. Because it's like, oh, she doesn't know how to use a can opener. I never taught her how to use a can opener. And then he watches her using the can opener as wow. Well. And something that really struck me as just, I don't like the way he's wording this, is mm. describing his daughter as unintuitive.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: It's like, and it's that thing of, because she's a girl, she's not mechanically minded. It's like, she doesn't have to use a fucking can opener. It's no, because can openers are fiddly. I struggle with my can opener. Because can openers I, suck ass.
1: I can't tell you, apart from the one I've got now that has been really good, I can't tell you how many can openers I've gone through in my adult life. and The amount of times I've got one, and it hasn't worked on the first tin I've tried. Yeah. Like, it's broken moment one. I've had that happen multiple times.
0: Yeah, and it's just this thing of... And the long story short is that this guy, according to this Twitter thread, spent six hours watching his daughter struggle to open a tin of beans.
1: Yeah, he refused to let her eat. He also refused um, to show
0: her how it worked.
1: Yeah, and <laughs> he he was like, you're going to sit there down with me right out. now while I do my puzzle and ignore you, and you're going to figure out how to do this like seemingly simple task that she has no idea how to start with. And it's like, okay, but you get no food, and we're going to sit here for
0: six hours until you fucking figure it out yourself. And something worth pointing out is every cause this guy immediately got dunked on because he posted. Oh yeah. It, and the way my girlfriend worded it is, he the way he wrote this is like he wants to be on board, panda. Like he wants it to be one of those He's like, look at this legendary story by this dad who taught his daughter like an important lesson. Mm-hmm. And instead, within about thirty seconds, it's like you're a terrible human being. Fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> And he had actual child psychologists, teachers, and just people who are, like you know, better parents than he is, clearly, Mm -hmm. telling him this is the exact wrong way to teach a child anything. Um, You are using negative reinforcement to teach your daughter this lesson. Like, that is the number one thing you are told not to do when it comes to teaching kids. And, and the biggest
1: takeaway I saw was, like, you are teaching your daughter that asking for help is completely wrong. Yeah.
0: And my girlfriend, who is a teacher, who works with young children, is that this is the exact wrong way to teach a child anything. Mm. Um, so, I've, so I've got that person. But then my mum, who is um, like she's a care worker and worked with um, disabled and at-risk children um, uh, previously. And then my dad, who done that, I asked them both in a tweet, not a tweet, a text, just asked them. And they're like, "Yeah, this is bad." Because they've heard about it, obviously. <laughs> yeah. And they're both like, "Yeah, he doesn't know how to like, no, talk to children at all. This is not how you do anything." No. Nope. But you know, though, because I said this is a guy who like loves the smell of his own farts. When it was pointed <laughs> out to him by actual experts in the field of child development, he um, was telling him, "You're wrong." Yeah. Yeah. You're wrong. Of course. I, of course. Like, how dare you tell me, a man, that I'm wrong? Expert, <laughs> and the weirdest part is though, because I saw this story and I saw Bean Dad trending, mm. and I clicked on it and I went, Oh, this is a pretty funny thing, this guy's a prick. And then a couple hours later, I checked and Bean Dad's still trending. Wow, the internet is not there's not a lot going on on the internet this day. And I click <laughs> on it, and it's just the top thing is um, Bean Dad, um, un- uh, no, uncovered racist tweets from Bean Dad. Oh, and, of course. And Lucas, are you familiar with the internet term "milkshake duck"? Uh, no, most okay, certainly not. So, so this is a internet term, and I'm going to find the original tweet so we can discuss it because so I think this is one of those super, super applicable things. Okay. Um, That is, like, it's so true of the internet. So, Milkshake Duck, I'm on Wikipedia here, is an internet meme that's going to be are initially perceived as good, but later revealed to be flawed. And it is, the origins are a 2016 tweet from Pixelated Boat on Twitter. And it simply read, the whole internet loves Milkshake Duck. A lovely duck that drinks milkshakes. Five seconds later, we regret to inform you that Milkshake Duck is racist. Oh, no. So, it's that. Yeah. Like, you know that thing of like, here's the new internet darling, look at this great, like it's a meme or it's like a viral video, and then you'll find out like a day later, almost without fail, oh, it turns out they've got a bunch of racist tweets. Yeah, yeah. And it has never ceased to be true of almost every single viral internet star in the last couple of years. Like, you must have seen it, haven't you?
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, For sure.
0: every single time you see like, oh, this new internet star is like, you know, or this new... Per- the new internet darling. A couple days later, it's like, oh, problematic tweets found. It's like, for yeah. fuck's sake. Why are people so garbage? Oh God.
1: It's always that thing of, yeah, it's like, like it's racist, it's transphobic tweets, it's uh, sexist tweets. It's like, oh my God. Every Nearly time. every time.
0: And, um, you know, John Roderick um, was no different. And within, I think, a couple of hours, uh, they were like, "Okay, so why are you using just endless amounts of racial slurs in all your old tweets?" Wow. <laughs> just, but what got me about this is, is that yeah, the dude is a huge piece of shit. Uh, he said, "Oh yeah." Like people just dug up all his old tweets that I wouldn't even want to repeat out loud because if I am genuinely concerned that if that soundbite existed, even if it is me quoting this guy. I would not be able to make content about this is how bad they are. Yeah. And I think nothing sums up how bad some of his tweets are that they contain the N-word, and the N-word is the least problematic part about them because some of the racial slurs and terms he uses are so archaic, people had to look them up. Jesus Christ. Like, these are some deep, deep pulls from, like, no you know, racism history. Like, these yep. are terms that are near exclusively used by neo-Nazis 50 years ago. Fucking hell. And that is how bad <laughs> some of these fucking things are. And Lucas, uh, do you just wanna like let everyone like people already probably know what his defence was, but what was his defence for these tweets? Do you know? Was it just oh it was a joke. It was a joke. It's, yeah. it's part oh. of my comedic persona. It's like what, being racist? That's not a great persona, mate. No.
1: Oh, part of my persona is being an asshole. It's like, is it because you're an asshole? Oh no, no, no! It's just, it's just uh, my my persona. It's like
0: don't have personas like that. But what was really great about this though is, is because this was all happening simultaneously like this is all happening parallel to people being like, okay, what does this guy actually do? And he's a podcaster, and he's on like eight different podcasts, and people are asking his podcast co host like, what the fuck? Like, why do you work with this guy? And they're like, no, he's a nice guy in real life. I know him personally and I know I know personally know him to not be the person he's been made out to be in these tweets. Thirty seconds later, the milkshake duck thing. Like thirty yeah. seconds later. Okay, so how do you explain these anti-Semitic racist tweets of his from like three years ago? And they're like, Well, um, he's no longer involved with that podcast. <laughs> <So> <laughs> like, within the space of like a half an hour in some cases, people were like immediately switching stances just kicking him off and like yeah dis- like how did you not know? It's so it's good. Weird. Because if
1: they were willing to tweet out those jokes, was he not making jokes like that on the
0: eight fucking podcasts that he was on? That's the one, yeah. And he it's worth noting that the guy has apologised, but we've talked about this sort of thing on previous podcasts of an apology that is put out in response to being called out will almost, to me, always rings hollow. Yeah, of course. Because in a because...
1: They're not sorry that they did it because they would have apologised a long time ago. They're they would sorry have also,
0: they got caught. He would have also probably deleted the tweets. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Right, but clearly he didn't see them as being anything bad because he left them up. Mm-hmm. And he's never addressed them before. He's only addressed them after he was called out. And after he started to suffer negative repercussions of them by losing, like, you know, gigs. Yeah. And, like, personal standing. So... Whilst he has made an apology, I don't buy it for one second because it is an apology that is in direct response to him losing something in this case, like, you know, clout and um, gigs. Exactly, yeah. And And (laughs) as you say, it just
1: removes any kind of feeling of it being genuine. Yeah, because when was, they have to wait until they get called out on something to then go, oh, well, I'm really sorry. I shouldn't have done that.
0: I've sta- i I've re-examined my behaviour. Like, no, you haven't. You're just upset that you've lost. <laughs> like, bear in yeah. mind, he was doubling down on his attitude right up until everyone's like, why are you a huge racist, though? Mm-hmm. I was like, but it's a joke. He's like, well, if it's a joke, why didn't you stand by it? If you're really honest that like, it's a joke, why did you delete your Twitter account? Yeah, it's just oh, but we've talked so much about having like people making apologies in response to being called out. It's like mm-hmm. then it's not an apology, is it? You're just no. saying what you think people want to hear so they stop yelling at you and calling you bean dad. <laughs> <laughs> my favourite thing about this is did you like manage to get a read through the original thread when it existed? I did, yeah. Uh, did you see what he kept calling himself? Oh yeah, he was apocalypse dad. Yeah, because his whole this massive Twitter thread was uh, framed as him teaching his daughter how to survive in an apocalypse. So he kept mm. calling himself Apocalypse Dad. And within about five minutes of it being posted, I was like, no, being dad. <laughs> yeah. and, you, and that's a minor part of this, but you know he's mad about that. He's definitely mad about he's that. He's definitely mad about that. And like just the, the little things people dug up about this dude of. Yeah, it turns out that a year or so ago, he printed out a book of his own tweets and sold it. <laughs> and it's like... Fucking at that. how up your own ass are you? How much do you enjoy the smell of your own farts? How much oh, do you enjoy so the bouquet of your farts? The bouquet, if you will, that you print <laughs> out a book of your own tweets and then sell it for money. Something people can access for free online. Enjoy I love as well. <laughs> like He's like, I am so deeply sorry about the tweets that I made and how hurtful they were. Anyway, here's a book of ones that I made that I think were <laughs> worth <laughs> charging people to read. Oh dear God! My favorite thing is as well was like a B- I'm reading like a BBC article here talking about like just the the case. And <laughs> oh man, it made it onto BBC. Fucking <laughs> dad apologized after tin can post causes outcry. <laughs> the, the, the editing image they use is a tin of beans they don't even <laughs> use a picture of him oh it's so good oh god my favourite thing is like, I just google bean dad and it come up oh man Oh man. bean dad oh it's so great it's the best Matt,
1: 2021 the year of the beans bean dad <laughs> my favourite thing as well is that there's no pictures of
0: this dude he's just beans <laughs> it's just beans everywhere. Oh God. That's amazing. It's just beans. Oh, that's amazing. What what dick? You know what my favourite thing is as well. Cause this is one of like those cases where if this guy is because I can guess from like the way he talks online and how mm. annoyed he's been about this is, this is one of those things where it's this is never going away. Oh yeah! Like this is never going to go away. Like, Any time, like when this guy inevitably crawls out from underneath the rock that he's hiding under right now and mm. tries to, like you know, scrape back into public life, this is going to get brought up constantly, <laughs> and you know he's going to be really mad about that. Mm, yeah, because they're going to call him Bean Dad, and this goes. Uh, and this is one of those things where when. And I think that will be the ultimate example. That'll be the perfect example of like why this apology is so hollow. Because if he was genuinely sorry, he would want people to bring this up. Or he wouldn't get mad about it. Oh, yeah, yeah. And um, because like this is something uh, we've talked about before, where when people make apologies like this, they're not actually sorry. What they're really saying is, please stop talking about it. Yeah. And they want to be able to point at... This apology, so they can just say, Look, I've already addressed this in the past and I've apologized. I don't want to talk about it. And that means that you're not sorry, you just want people to stop talking about it because it makes you look bad or it impacts your brand or it's something that you're just like you're ashamed of, which you should be because it is something you should be ashamed of.
1: Yeah, it is. And it is totally just a deflection, isn't it? Of just leave me alone now.
0: Please stop talking about it. Yeah. And it's that thing of, uh, I'm just going to put it out there. my If I ever. Um, just start screaming racial slurs. Um, I invite everyone within the sound of my voice right now. Never stop bringing it up. Bring it up constantly. <laughs> Do you know why? Because that's something that people shouldn't be allowed to forget. You mm. shouldn't be allowed to forget when you engage in behaviour like that. No. And if you're truly sorry, you'll accept that. Which <laughs> just fucking beans. Got it for this, dickhead. <laughs> Fuck you, John Roderick. <laughs> it's just so good it cracked me up though because like simultaneously while people are digging up all these racist tweets uh, he's there in his mentions telling people to fuck off it's like I know that I'm right I don't and then people's like oh you should apologise it. it's like I will never apologise for my behaviour and then like a day later I've examined what I said and I'm deeply <laughs> apologetic it's like no you're not so good fuck you love it Oh, and that was like an entire day
1: That was and, and like at first it was a weird thing. I just saw a couple of people mention Bean dad and then somebody had like quote tweeted it and mentioned Bean Dad and I was like oh this is what the bean dad thing is that I've just seen
0: popping up and but the thing is though, it just got progressively more insane and even though it is a story we are all familiar with of, here is somebody being a prick on the internet. Oh, it turns out they're racist. And every time, it happens every time, and every time it surprises me. <laughs> that's the beauty of the milkshake duck. Oh, God. That poor milkshake duck. it's well, so true.
1: I, I feel sorry for an act, you know, in my head, there's just a cute little duck that's being accused of being racist, but I don't feel sorry for anyone who's, you know had that term used on them well
0: no that's the point like, the point of the joke is it's like oh well everyone loves milkshake duck and it's always racist
1: yeah
0: and there's like, a half of so it's like, oh, look and <laughs> what there's now been is we need to find uh, we need to coin a new term for someone who everyone assumed was shitty but was actually far shittier than we ever anticipated and I think the term <laughs> for that should be being dad. so milkshake duck should be used to describe someone who at first glance appears to be positive and wholesome and turns out to be shitty and bean is someone who is shitty but is even shittier than they first appear (laughs) I love the internet sometimes because that happened within the space of a day and now that has entered common lexicon already already people are like oh man who's getting bean dadded next it's already a verb Oh, but speaking of things that were shitty and just continue to get shittier and shittier and shittier. Oh, uh, have you seen all this shit about Zack Snyder and the Snyderverse? Uh, I've been trying to stray away from it. Uh, but we need to talk about it, Lucas, because there's another, another thing going on. with this. So we should clarify right now that uh, the Snyderverse is the name given to the shitty movie's in the DC Extended Universe um, helmed or produced or like that Zack Snyder had a hand in. So like the Man of Steel, Batman vs Superman. Yeah. The easiest way is it's all the DC Extended Universe movies that have like 60% on Rotten Tomatoes or less. (laughs) Anything that's got above 60% is something he didn't personally have a hand in. And uh, there is the Snyder Cut of the Justice League movie coming out on HBO Max or something next year. Uh, It is going to be four and a half hours long. It's only going to be released in like multiple parts, multiple parts or some shit like that. Because Zack Snyder is a terrible, shitty director who doesn't know what he's doing, and it is just this thing where it's continually gotten worse and worse and worse and worse and worse. Because I believe me and you, a year or so, a year, uh, a year or so ago, um, made a fact team video, Wiki Weekends, about the Snyder Cup.
1: Yeah, we did. And it was like, nobody knows whether the Snyder Cut
0: exists. And some of the pieces of information that we... Bear in mind, we were reading from a Wikipedia page. And people about were te- the situation, yeah. And people were telling us that we were wrong. Yeah, it's like, well, if we're wrong, that means the wiki is wrong. Yeah, and one of the things that's mentioned in it is, or one of the things we talked about is that um, Zack Snyder himself has continually talked about how... No, there is the Snyder Cut of Justice League exists. And he would post photos of... Um, like film reel canisters with Snyder Cut written on it which fans have said well now it must exist because how can someone how can that photo be a lie how can a photo with the word Snyder Cut on it possibly be a lie even (laughs) though actual people who work on film say we don't call film we don't name film reels the Snyder Cut Yeah, (laughs) we don't edit on film like this anymore (laughs) Also, no. the film would be more than that because his film is like, like fucking it was immediately debunked as fake. Well then we had people separately and together when we we're streaming and stuff just telling us that we were wrong because they saw a photo Zack Snyder posted of the Snyder Cut <laughs> yeah. saying that it existed and then he'd release like images from behind the scenes. It's like with no CGI or anything. I was like, well, that's not real, is it? That's not finished. And then there were like quotes from Warner Bros. that it's not it doesn't exist. Um there's no cut that does exist like the actual cut that he had, the working print was um, basically unusable it had no special effects or anything in it but um, I just remember me and you getting shit for a week straight from just weird salty fanboys who couldn't handle the fact that we had read from a Wikipedia page saying it doesn't exist and then
1: not only that, when it got announced that it does exist well,
0: not that it exists that it is going to be made we got People tweeting at us again, saying, "Well, I bet you feel embarrassed about this video now." Because I got at least, I want to say, a dozen people tweet at me when that news broke. Uh, yeah, I got quite a few. Yeah, Warner Bros. are pay, like going to let Zack Snyder make the Snyder Cut with the with like the video link saying, "Oh, I think you should like issue a retraction to this." It's like that was published six months ago, and in it, we say it doesn't exist. And you're asking us to print a retraction because six months later they've given Zack Snyder permission to create it
1: yeah and not only that it's like oh we need
0: to give him 70 million dollars to finish it or whatever it is and do reshoots like, so this is like if anything this is direct confirmation that it did not exist exactly and hasn't yeah. existed and will not exist for many more months because, because if it did exist finish. they could
1: have just been like look it's done we're releasing it yeah <laughs> Like, That's what finish means. That's what existing. It mean. just feeds
0: into like, the delusion of Zack Snyder's fans, and the side yeah. cuts coming out, and just every bit of information I've heard about it just makes it worse. Uh, for example, mm. um, in Snyder's original version of Justice League, um, Dark Side was supposed to turn up. Uh, Dark Side yeah. is not in the final cut, and um, this has been put forward by a lot of Zack Snyder fans. It's like, oh man, they would just they couldn't handle it. And it's uh, it turns out that Joss Whedon, when he got brought on to um, finish this like uh, Justice League movie, um, read the script, and in the original script, I'm just going to tell you how Dark Side was supposed to appear. It was Dark Side was going to appear through a portal, sitting on a throne. <laughs> and um, uh, Lucas, uh, do you remember how Thanos was introduced in Avengers? Just want to. I do.
1: Yeah. How was they... it? He
0: was, like, you know, approached by Loki
1: through a portal and into another dimension and... Where's Thanos? Then Thanos turns around on his throne. Hmm. And what does Thanos look like? And (laughs) Thanos is just, like, big, bulky, purple man with, you know,
0: his prune chin. Okay, and what does um, Darkseid look like? He's a big, bulky grey man with weird head as well. (laughs) Yeah, wearing armour on a throne and... Who directed Avengers again? Uh, might have been Joss Whedon. Yeah, so can you see why Joss Whedon might have taken that out of his script? Yeah. Because, like, bear in mind when he first got brought on, um, it was, like, uh, framed by a lot of people, myself included, oh, the DC Extended Universe. They're to bring in Joss Whedon onto course, correct, to make it more like Avengers. Yeah. So, with that in mind, can you see why Joss Whedon would have taken out a scene that was literally a shot for shot rip-off of the <laughs> Avengers? <laughs> Yeah. And what really gets me is that people were annoyed
1: going, I can't believe they removed Darkseid from the film as if he was going to be a massive plot point. No, it was a cameo. Yeah, he was going to Similar be a Similar reve- to the Thanos bit.
0: It was going to be a reveal at the end of the film mm-hmm. and like there's no confirmation on this, but I feel very confident saying that um we didn't remove that because it felt so derivative of yeah. this scene in Avengers that it would just come across as desperate.
1: And that's the weird thing is, even though it was written by Zack Snyder and then implemented by Joss Whedon, it will still have been called just copying Avengers because, yeah, somebody that didn't make Avengers decided to essentially rip off the same thing.
0: Yeah, and my favourite thing about it is, one of the little facts that we um, just uncovered while doing that Wicked Weekend is that while the movie was being made, DC were asking Joss Whedon to rewrite Zack Snyder's script because it was so bad.
1: Yeah, they were already in talks to get rid of Zack Snyder before um, Sort of like a family member passed away, didn't they?
0: Yeah, so I think his daughter committed suicide or something like that, so it was very sad. Right.
1: So but... yeah, like a legitimate reason for him to be pulled off the movie. In the
0: end but they were already looking to get him off the film in the first place. Yeah, and they were shopping the idea around to other directors. And they were I think they held a writer's workshop where they brought in Zack Snyder's script and they were basically begging other writers, can you fix this, including Joss Whedon. <laughs> like, they literally took his script and just asked people, can you make this better? Because it's so bad. <laughs> and then they gave him $80 million to fix film his original one. And do you know what the best bit about it has been? It is that Zack Snyder is a weird, weird man. yeah. And he is insisting that his version of the film, the version that's going to be released on HBO Max, is his original vision for the film. And mm-hmm. everyone's like, the fuck it was. Do you really <laughs> think like any movie studio would have greenlit and released a four and a half hour long film ever? Like Endgame was three hours long. Yeah. And they still had to cut shit out of it. And Endgame mm-hmm. is the culmination of 22 movies. <laughs> and has like 50 fucking characters in it. And even then, they managed to trim that down to three hours long. And that's the thing as
1: well. Of This is not only him getting extra time and money that he wouldn't have had. It's also
0: him having years of hindsight on that movie now. Because he's now he's got something. like I think the only other creator... Anywhere in the world right now who has what Zack Snyder does, and that is the ability to basically focus test their own movie. Yeah. Or their own pe like their own creation. And that's George R. R. Martin. Where George R. R. Martin got to see the vitriolic reaction to season eight and now is able to course correct in real time. Um
1: yeah, but he has confirmed like the general plot is not going to change. Like he told them. The ending, yeah. The, well, the rough the outline and main plot points of how things were going to finish, but it's going to obviously be written and implemented differently now. Yeah,
0: he's had the ability to like focus, test the ending, and now gets mm-hmm. to distance himself from it. And just, watch crap? It's just saying like, yeah, this was always my original vision, so why are you having to reshoot stuff? Yeah. If this was your original vision, why are you having to reshoot stuff? Also, why does Steppenwolf now look like a fucking cactus? Did you see that? Yeah, (laughs) like when Zack Snyder proudly like just put out an image like this is what my Steppenwolf looks like. It's like it's literally you just put spikes on him. He did evolved. Nothing sums up like how poor Zack Snyder is of like just a creator of his vision is literally just edgier, literally edgier, (laughs) literally edgier, and like that goes into like something that was released like a couple days ago where Joe the photo from Batman vs Superman where Batman looks and it's Wonder Woman in World War One. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like, that's the photo Wonder Woman wants to get. Zack Snyder's like, well, that wasn't my original vision. My original no. vision for that photo was this one. It was set during the Crimean War. And it is Wonder Woman, and she's holding severed heads. Fucking hell. And it's like, yeah, that's Zack Snyder's Wonder Woman. Just murdering people and cutting their heads off.
1: To be fair, he did take the symbol of hope and make him murder an entire city, so...
0: Oh man, I did you see that? I was legit getting people giving me shit for that. For what? Okay, so I was like, uh, all this news was making me, like, just, like, tweet out about the Snyderverse. And I tweeted oh, okay. I thought, and it was just something like, uh, just, those movies suck. And I mentioned specific, and people were going, oh, to be fair, I think some guys, asked, he says, like, the DC Extended Universe did have promise initially. And I just like shut that down straight away. When, like, in the very first movie, Man of Steel, uh, mark mm-hmm. Kent, the, uh, the entire reason Superman um, has a, such a strong moral compass in the original comics, yeah. tells Superman um, that sometimes it's okay to let children die. Yeah. That movie was poisoned from the start. And the exact line is um, Superman, um, after rescuing a bus full of children, is getting reamed out by his dad um, and he asks very matter of factly, "What was I supposed to do? Just let them die?" This is a direct question to his dad, the in the original comics, the absolute paragon of moral virtue. And his yeah. dad responds, "What does he say, Lucas?" Uh,
1: I actually, I'm not sure, but I'm guessing it's along the lines of sometimes yes. He says maybe.
0: That is oh, okay. his response, and I got a response from a dude. It's like, well, to be fair, he does just say maybe. And it's like, <laughs> the fact that Superman's moral comp The person who's set in Superman's moral company is telling her, sometimes you can let people die to... Like, and I think the reason is to protect your identity. So he's saying sometimes you can let children die for selfish reasons is not something anybody should ever be saying to Superman unless they are a villain.
1: Yeah, the entire like, build-up in that movie is just... The Kents are so protective over Superman, they don't want his identity known because they f- fear for his life essentially.
0: And the way I worded that is it's really weird that they repeatedly tell their bulletproof alien son, don't help people, <laughs> because it might be dangerous.
1: Yeah, it might be uh, dangerous
0: for Superman to clarify. Not other people, but yeah, like that movie series was poisoned from the start and there's been a lot written about just how fundamentally Zack Snyder misunderstands the character of Superman. Mm-hmm. And that goes a long way. Oh, well, that's explained a lot by the fact that he's like super into Ayn Rand and objectivism. Oh, um, which okay. is basically just a incredibly selfish worldview where it's like you can uh, people are only entitled to the help that they can provide themselves. And mm-hmm. that sort of thing of like, no, don't help anyone else. Always look after number one, which is a really bad worldview to have for someone directing a Superman movie. <laughs> yeah,
1: it really is. An inherently
0: altruistic hero who wants to save the day. And just something, I think the easiest way to sum up just how um, fundamentally Zack Snyder misunderstands Superman and why he should never be in the reins that universe is there is a comic, Superman Red Son, one of the best mm-hmm. um, Superman arcs ever written, where Superman... Um, doesn't land in Kansas, he lands in Soviet Russia or something yeah, like that. Yeah, it's a
1: what-if story, essentially. Um,
0: during the height of the Cold War, and he is raised to be a communist. Mm-hmm. And it's communist Superman. And in that comic series, um, even though Superman is evil and takes over the world, he is still instilled um, from like, his very earliest days living in a lab and being trained to like, fight for communist Russia and protect people. Protect people at all costs. Use your powers to help better society. Our society, admittedly, don't help America, only help our country. But still, help people. Yes. And when Joseph Stalin is able to instill Superman with a better sense of morality than Joseph Kent, (laughs) you've made a shitty movie. (laughs) When fascist dictator Superman cares more for human life than Zack Snyder Superman, you know something's gone wrong. Well, it's not even
1: just Superman. It's Well, apparently he wanted to make Wonder Woman behead people. Yeah. That didn't get through. But he also takes Batman and makes him a massive murderer.
0: Yeah, and then there's like that.
1: Batman, the, the guy that doesn't kill, or supposedly doesn't kill.
0: No, but he will beat people half to death and then send them to prison with <laughs> his like, mark on them, where he later learns that people with the Batman mark get murdered in prison.
1: And continues to do it. But also, he just shoots rockets at people in cars and shit like that. And then slams their head into concrete and runs them over. Yeah, he yeah. just literally blows people up when he's in the Batmobile and does not give a flying foot. Okay. And um, it it's that scene in The Warehouse, isn't it, where a guy throws a grenade at him, so he throws it back at him and blows him up. Yeah.
0: It's
1: like, well, did Batman not kill that guy?
0: Like, and there's a quote, quote from Zack Snyder him. where he talks about that, and he says... Batman doesn't kill people, but if he sees a guy with a grenade and he blows it up, that's his own fault, essentially. <laughs> and his defence for it is, well, Tim Burton Batman, uh, Michael Keaton Batman, he kills a lot of people in those movies too. And admittedly, if you go back and watch those movies, Batman does like throw a guy off a ledge. Do you know when he says, yeah. like, I'm Batman, and then he burns people with a Batmobile? But no, I would like he like to... throws that bomb down the sewer with a guy yeah. in it as well. But I would like to counter that those movies are... Incredibly cartoonish. They are, they are because it, even from the art style, like mm-hmm. they are very clearly supposed to be comic books come to life. That's yeah. why, like Batman, has the exaggerated ears on his cowl. That's why it, Joker pulls out a thirty-foot-long gun. Yeah, because it, they are supposed to be like you know uh, elevated versions of reality that are more akin yeah. like to the comic books than real life. And I don't think anything sums up just Zack Snyder's complete just failure to understand comics as a medium, that he looks at the Tim Burton movies and goes, well, they're realistic.
1: Yeah, they're meant to be complete over exaggerations
0: It's like one of those movies, I was like, the opening to one of them is fucking Jack Nicholson falling into poison and coming out with a smiley face. Well, that's the
1: thing is, that's the kind of universe where being thrown into a bomb would probably not kill you or dropping you off a ledge yeah. because he fell into a vat of acid and just
0: walked out with some facial scars. Well, do you know what it is? It's George of the Jungle. Have you seen George of the Jungle? Not for a while. But they have that bit down there where someone falls off a cliff mm. and, they, and then the narrator says, don't worry folks, this is a PG rated movie. Nobody really dies, they just get really big boo-boos. Oh, okay. Yeah. And they show someone fall off a cliff, and then the next scene, he's got like um, uh, just some bandages around his head and a cast on. Yeah. <laughs> that's what I think the Tim Burton Batman movies are like. Totally, yeah. Like, when Apart Batman...
1: from like maybe you
0: know Penguin just going down the river of death, but but like when he throws someone off a cliff, like, because we don't actually see them die. In my head, they just like they come back in a later scene. With it because it's a fucking comic, but it's basically it's the just slightly above the tone of the Adam West series.
1: Yeah, especially the um, like just nineteen eighty nine Batman and um, Batman Returns. Obviously, takes it a bit more mature. Like it is a, I think it was rated fifteen over here and d- goes a bit darker, but selena kyle still like dies and gets
0: reawoken by cats licking her yeah because it's a comic book thing and just yeah. the idea that Zack snyder can't see the difference between the tone of his film and that film he can't see the difference between man of steel like batman in batman vs superman slamming people's head into the edge of a concrete pillar <laughs> and their face just being caved in like a mortal Kombat x-ray move and michael keaton batman pushing someone off the edge and just going i'm batman he can't see the difference <laughs> between those two things. Those two things in his head are equivalent. Oh, God. Like, Michael Keaton Batman, like, burning someone with the Batmobile and then cartoonishly flailing around as, like, the Bat logo flies up on screen is the same as Batman th- running someone over with a Batmobile while smiling.
1: How long is it until we get the Bat credit card in Justice League? Oh, I fucking want it. So
0: don't, <laughs> don't, worry, don't worry, we've got money. But, like, yeah, very much. And then the other one is, like... Just speaking of Batman, that legendary quote from Zack Snyder, where he was asked So, Batman is like, a hero. He's basically invincible. He's a hero who has no powers, but he is completely unstoppable in everything mm-hmm. he's in. How are you going to make Batman seem more grounded or something to that effect? And Zack Snyder just waxes poetic for about 30 seconds, uh, pulls out a hoe, shoves it up his ass, and sniffs his own farts, and then says something. <laughs> I'll get the full quote up.
1: Oh, okay. The yeah. full
0: quote is amazing.
1: Oh, God. I'm looking forward to this. I'm not sure what quote you're referring to, so
0: I'm uh, I'm excited. This is this is an actual quote from um, Zack Snyder about Batman. Everyone says that about Batman Begins. Batman's dark. I'm like, okay, no, Batman's cool. He gets to go to a Tibetan monastery and be trained by news. Okay, I want to do that, but he doesn't, like, get raped in prison. That could happen in my movie. If you want to talk about dark, that's how that would go. So it was something like, they're talking about, like, oh, how would you make your movie dark? So in his movie... It, his how, version
1: of making Batman dark and realistic character is just maybe he got raped in prison.
0: Yeah, and also how do you make him seem like he's not invulnerable? It's, he can get raped. So in Zack Snyder's head, uh, the only real way to show that a man is weak is to have him be sexually assaulted. Sexually assaulted equals being weak. Yeah. Like, that is how a child views... Um, movie maybe i mean i'm giving the child the upper hand probably but, but like that is just how like an idiot thinks to think it is dark yeah. so it is good speaking of which did you see he wants to make his movie in black and white as well yeah he told me this yeah so people don't know right zach snyder has legit gone on record to say my original vision even though the movie is not the original vision but he said mm. my original vision for um justice league was to put it in black and white so he wants to make it like a noir film, even though that would completely contrast with every other movie that he's made in that universe. Because mm-hmm. he's not black; like, none of the other movies are black and white. And also, is um, like I know there are like graphic novels in black and white, though. But the Justice League, like, it is sold entirely through its color. It's defined by the color because the whole point is that each hero has their own color scheme. Exactly, and you look at, for example, you know.
1: Justice League Unlimited. A very good representation of, of the, Justice the Justice League. That is colourful as fuck.
0: Also as well, the poster for Justice League. They literally turned the contrast up to make it more colourful. <laughs>
1: Get that saturation on the go, <laughs> they Turn They
0: the saturation up to make it more colourful. And he's like, no, but my original vision was black and white. And again, this goes into, in his head, black and white means it's artsy.
1: Well, it's similar to the... Um, Logan. The... Well, I was going to say the Superman suit that he's like, this is my Superman wearing oh, black. Oh, but it's just super,
0: Superman wearing black because black yeah. means edgy and edgy means good. Yeah. But yeah, he's, um, it's because, you know the only reason he thinks that is because Logan came out. Um, oh, yeah. Logan And Logan is widely considered like the best superhero piece. It's basically not even a superhero, it's, like, you know, it's a character piece about a superhero. It's a very well-made movie that happens to have a superhero film, like and, a superhero in it. And there's a black-and-white version of that movie that a lot of people contend is equal to, if not better, than the original. Like, it being in black-and-white elevates that movie, mm-hmm. because it works. it's basically a noir character piece at that point. And yeah. um, Zack Snyder saw that and was like, well, my movie's good, Logan's good... And Logan's in black and white. Therefore, my movie must also be in black and white. That's his thought process. Logan was um, praised for being artsy and good and is a good examination of the character. It is in black and white. Therefore, to be good, it's in black and white. Yeah. It's like, no, that's not how it works. Also, this is a shitty CGI clusterfuck that will look terrible in black and white.
1: It will do, yeah. Like, and I, I will say, like talking about black and white DC films, um, I am quite legitimately upset that we aren't getting that Ben Affleck, like Batman Detective
0: Noir movie. Which is what? Which you know what? That movie could have been in black and white. Joe, why? Yeah, Ben Affleck's a fucking good director. Surprisingly so. Yeah, uh, might not be the best Batman, but he's a good director. He's a very, very good director. Yeah. And the, the example I like to use, like. Um, show why this would be such a terrible idea is George Miller, um, uh, the guy who directed and wrote all the Mad Max series, has mm-hmm. said since day one, um, the first Mad Max movie, the Mel Gibson one, I wanted it to be in black and white. Yeah, um, and he was told by the studio, look, a black and white movie is never going to sell. Mm-hmm. It has to be in color. No one's going to watch a black and white movie. Um, so he he, he, like, he um, swallowed his pride and went okay. I'll, I'll film it in colour. But in the back of his head, he's always like, I want it to be in black and white. So he shot every scene in every Mad Max movie so it would still look good in black and white. which uh, What I mean by that is um, that it would look good in black and white. Not grayscale or with the contrast or the saturation removed, like is how a lot of things get turned black and white. Just have I mean, a filter over it, yeah. I mean, he shot it so there'd be a lot of colour and a lot of contrast, a lot of light and a lot of shadow. Mm. And when Mad Max Fury Road... Um, got green lit um, he knew in his head this is the one and, yeah. he out- and he was behind the scenes he specifically made sure that every scene would look good in black and white and I think the deal he had was if the movie is good and it does well we will let you go back into the editing room and put it in black and white and release, a cert- and release it in black and white because he originally wanted it to have no dialogue as well oh okay um, he wanted a version of the film that had no dialogue was just music, and was music and in black and white and he did that, it's the black and chrome version, I believe. And that, um, I, one of my goals is to see that in the cinema at some point because I've seen the DVD and the Blu ray, like, I don't want to watch it in Blu-ray. I need to watch it in the cinema. Yeah. And it's apparently one of the best cinematic experiences like you can have because it is just a two and a half hour long, um, uh, chase sequence with like just thumping, um, uh, <laughs> rock music in the background. Yeah. Like, I need to see this. And I need to see in the absolute best quality possible. So that's on my list of things to do. And I'm going to believe that George Miller knows what he's doing because he wrote Mad Max. Yes. And he yeah. directed Mad Max Fury Road. Zack Snyder directed Sucker Punch and Watchmen. <laughs> I don't think he's good enough to put a movie in black and white. But there's lots of slow motion in there.
1: So you know it's artsy, Carl.
0: Did you ever hear as well why he said, like, someone asked him, uh, why were you attracted to Watchmen as a project? Instead of like other superhero uh, media, this is before obviously he works on DC movies. Okay, uh, he said because Watchmen has sex in it. No, oh. which means it's it's for adults. And they asked him, can you clarify it because it has sex in it? So in his eyes, it's got sex, which means it's adult. Great. This, uh, this is a movie for adults, Lucas, because people have sex in it.
1: Uh, we trusted this man with a four and a half hour Justice League movie. Joe uh,
0: you know and I said he's a child. <laughs> yeah. uh, he is a chi- he approaches things like a child. Of it has penises in it. That is for ad- it means it's adult. It's dark. That means it's edgy. It's e- oh like
1: God. sounds it's like um, cyberpunk where they're just like fuck it. There's a ton of dildos in there,
0: <laughs> which means it's adult. Yeah, it, it's not for kids. This is not. This is not. But just like why do you what are you to do to this project? It's got boobs in it. <laughs> it's a fucking child. Oh, it's so good. (laughs) And then this brings into, uh, because the Snyder Cut's coming out, and it's been made, and it's got like, you know, they put an extra $80 fucking dollars into this thing. Um, What was trending on Twitter, I shit you not, Lucas, was hashtag restore the Snyderverse. Yeah, I saw this, and just didn't even click. I was like, what? So this is in response to news from DC, where they are... Changing course once again. And they've said, um, we are no longer going to be creating a single cohesive universe. Not that it mattered because it wasn't cohesive at all.
1: Not but at all, no.
0: we are now going to just make standalone movies um, that have parallel universes that may intersect at some point. So the they're making two separate Batman movies. They're making the, um, the Robert Pattinson one and there's another Batman movie in the works.
1: So what you're saying is they're giving up? Essentially, yeah. Yeah, they um, just—it didn't work out. We're not trying anymore. We can just say what we want. And
0: there was a great quote I think like a year or so ago when like this was somewhat—it was announced, but like they didn't formally say that they were going to do two distinct different universes. It was just um, we're no longer going to focus on creating an, a shared universe, but instead focus on making good films. And They still haven't managed it, but like just the exact. I forget the exact quote, but it was something along the lines of, maybe we should have focused on making films that people want to watch instead of on the universe. It's like, maybe you should have done both. Yeah, maybe. Maybe if you'd have made good films first, you could have intersected them later.
1: And I know that we've obviously had a couple of, I'd say flops, but not even flops, but just all right films in Marvel rather than good movies. Like, you know, The Incredible Hulk's not great. Thor 1 and 2, meh. But for the most part, even like Iron Man kicking it off is a solid movie.
0: Yeah, and uh, in, but in relation or uh, in response to this news of look, um, we're not pursuing um, the the canon set out by the first few movies. Um, yeah. There is no plans to continue with the Snyderverse as it's called now, which is just hilarious. Like imagine the fucking ego on the man, <laughs> the Snyderverse. Like they don't call it the Fageverse, do they? The fagiverse even though no, he's no. like, basically, he's the executive producer on every single movie. And he's yeah. like the um, like the helmsman for that entire fucking um, uh, cinematic universe. Like, no, even he doesn't have the... And he's as well got probably the person in Hollywood who has like the biggest right to do that. Like, if anyone wanted to say this is my fucking universe, it's him.
1: Yeah, because he's essentially been at the helm from
0: the get-go from of the MCU. From day one, and he has created the most profitable cinematic universe in history. He created a cinematic universe when the people didn't even think that could be a thing. Exactly, and even yeah. even he doesn't have the fucking ego to be it's mine. Me, all me. It's all my vision. He's like, no, no, it's the vision of many creators working together. And I just like, you know, I help guide them yeah. to create, you know, a cohesive universe. And Zach's he, like, no, it's he oversees
1: all me. it. But yeah, Snyder's like, no, it's me.
0: It's all me. It's all my idea. And just that led to like weird Snyder fans being like, look, we need to hashtag restore the Snyderverse. And all I saw in response to that is, never, ever give nerds anything. This is your own fault, DC. You should not have given in. You've given in, and this is all you're going to get forever now because you showed them that if they bitch and they moan long enough and hard enough and kick up enough of a fuss, eventually you'll give them what they want. And this will never end now. Exactly, because now the fans
1: see it as basically they get whatever the hell they they ask for.
0: It's it's a Simpsons joke. There's a Simpsons joke exactly about this where it is Lisa is just bitching about something. Like, oh, I thought I should get this award, and she bitches and she bitches, and she complains all the way to the president of the United States, and they have like a Bill Clinton cameo. It's not him, but it's like he appears and goes. Here, here I, when I heard about this uh, grave injustice, uh, I stepped in personally in the hands of the award. He says, let that be a lesson to you, Lisa. If things don't go your way, just complain about them until they do. <laughs> and like Marsh says, that's a horrible lesson for a child, Mr. President. And he goes, well, I'm a pretty horrible president and leaves. Or something like that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which is very poignant, given what the current president's doing right now. I know, right? If things don't go your way, bitch about them until they do. But that's what's happening with the DC universe, or the Snyderverse as it's called now. Just the fans have seen that if they bitch enough, they'll get it.
1: Yeah, because now instead of going well, we're abandoning the, the you know the Snyderverse and just making sure that we make whatever movies we want. People, oh no! But we need the Snyderverse. We need so it. if we if we keep asking for it, they'll just give in and give us more Snyder films.
0: My favorite thing about it is, it's like because uh, I was reading through that hashtag, and a couple of the uh, the takes that put me on my ass were they didn't even give it a chance. It's like they gave it four chances. <laughs> And it was unilaterally rejected by um, the vast majority of people watching it every single time. This vision for the universe has been so thoroughly rejected by audiences. Nobody wants it except weird people on Twitter. (laughs) That's the thing, because even from Man of Steel,
1: it was... The movie's alright, but it's not a very good interpretation of Superman. Yeah. And then it went, well, we'll give him another chance with Batman vs Superman. Oh, this didn't turn out good either. Yeah. Right, okay.
0: What about, is that... what about Wonder Woman? That's not very... It's, it's okay, but um, it's so far removed from the original universe that you can't even really call it one. Mm-hmm. Like, it's fine, we guess, but it's still not a great start. Oh, what's this Suicide Squad boss? Oh, my God, no. No, get rid. And that thing is, like, is Suicide Squad
1: even in that same universe? Because you've got Jared Leto Joker, you've got Joaquin Phoenix Joker, you've probably got another fucking Joker along the lines in one of the other Batman films, because they can't resist. And it's like, okay, well, you've made multiple different movies with multiple different Jokers, which one's the one that's in Justice League, in Mm -hmm. that universe? Oh, Oh, we don't know. And that's oh, okay. why, I it.
0: but uh, just yeah, uh, the one of the other takes I saw as well is, and this I could not believe it. It was a guy's like the reason that they need to keep the Snyderverse is because um, if you compare the total gross and the worldwide box office of um, the first four movies in the DC Extended Universe with the first four movies in the MCU, the DC Extended Universe outperformed them. And Lucas discuss.
1: Well, I don't know what's worse. The fact that, A, you know, that was a new thing to do in the MCU. Like, the cinematic universe didn't really exist. They were trying out something new.
0: Superhero movies uh, were largely seen as a joke.
1: Yeah, they were nowhere near as big because, you know, Avengers really started to
0: put them on the map. Uh, like, Spider-Man did it a bit, but, like, you know... Even Spider-Man, Spider-Man and did...
1: X-Men were, you know, middling in terms of box office performance. They weren't bad, but... No, they did really well. Like, Spider-Man and X-Men did
0: fantastically well at the box office. The thing is, though...
1: They but they didn't still... do as well as being the highest-earning movies of all time, girl.
0: I think Spider-Man 2 did okay, but the thing is, though, even after a couple of movies, though, started to fizzle.
1: Yeah, and, and th- not only that, they were working with... Like, Iron Man and Captain America instead of, you know, Spider-Man and X-Men, some of the biggest Marvel properties. They started with Superman, Batman,
0: and Wonder Woman. They're three ten marquee characters. What what is really good about this take, um, because I could not believe it, and I was, like, scrolling through, like, the responses to this, and so many people were pointing out, these movies came out, like... Ten years apart, and the only reason the DC extended universe was even made was in direct response to the MCU, which established that there was a want and a desire from the public to see these kinds of movies. It set a precedent, Uh, yeah. Yeah, it set the precedent. It's basically built the groundwork that the DC universe then just like no, just rode the coattails of. Yeah, they rode the coattails of the MCU and still somehow fucked it up. Like they had, (laughs) they were handed basically here is the formula for creating a cinematic universe. Here's Here it the template, is. yeah. Yeah, all you've got to do is do exactly what we did, and you will make a billion dollars. Just every copy year. my homework and change some of the words. That's all you had to do, and they couldn't even manage that. But <laughs> in response, this guy's like, no, fuck you. And then when it's pointed oh, wow. out stuff like, um, well, it's not really fair to compare the gross of these movies because they're f- like um they were released like years apart, and you're not really examining and then going into all this especially the guy's like, like- no, this is how I'm working it out. That was I'm it. presuming
1: it's not adjusted for inflation then. No, of course they weren't. No.
0: Please just that thing of oh, it's not really fair and it's disingenuous to compare these things because they're not equivalent. And the guys are well, I'm gonna say I'm saying they're equivalent and that's my justification, and that was it. It's just the numbers on one are bigger and therefore it's better. That's Zach's side of <laughs> way again. One's bigger, so it must be better. Yeah. It's like this one earned more money. It's like, but it came out years later. And the cinema going public was hungry for superhero movies. They weren't when Iron Man came out. Also, Iron Man is fucking Iron Man.
1: Yeah, Iron Man and Thor were not exactly popular characters when the MCU
0: started. Also, it's worth pointing out as well that um, those budgets almost never include marketing costs. And if you take into account marketing costs for all the DC movies, they cost a fucking bomb. Like Justice League on paper made money. It made like three, four hundred million dollars because it cost like four hundred million to make. But then, it actually bombed, didn't it? It On paper, it did good. But behind the scenes, it was a huge, colossal failure because the rumours were it had to turn over a billion dollars at the box office just to break even after marketing costs. Because marketing costs are never included in the budget. Mm-hmm. And that movie made like 1.1 billion or something like that. So it was- <laughs> made a lot of money, but you spent a billion dollars to make yeah. 100 million. That's not, that's not that's a good not investment. Good. They're not good returns. No, but I'm gonna go no. uh, grab myself another drink. Yeah, go for be it. Back in a sec, because I just realised my coffee's all gone. One sec. Oh, so I apologise for that. So I thought I just want to get a quick drink. You know why? Because all this salt from the uh, DC fanboys is making me thirsty, Lucas. <laughs> it's making me goddamn thirsty. And I believe we were talking about it. the Iron Man, wasn't it? Oh um, uh, yeah, yeah. And I was just going to say like something people may not know or may not have like realised, or it might be hard to. Th- might like, think about or imagine is that Iron Man um, was not a popular character. And the entire reason the uh, MCU opened with Iron Man um, is because behind the scenes they did a bunch of focus tests and found out that Iron Man was such a non character and was basic, was such a non character and something people give so few shits about mm-hmm. that they could set up, try and set up the MCU with him. Have it fail and then try again a couple years later. Oh right, okay. So they picked Iron Man exactly because so people gave so so few shits about the character. If they messed it up, they could, they could try, try it again, again with another character like Captain America or something like that. Mm-hmm. So they specifically picked Iron Man because they thought, well, no one really cares about Iron Man, so they won't care if we mess it up. People will care <laughs> if we mess up. Um, uh, people will care if we mess up Captain America. And Thor is just too weird to try and like you know establish a universe with. Pick Iron Man. Yeah, you can't start with Thor. Yeah, and then also they picked Robert Downey Jr., who again it might be hard to believe given that he's like one of the biggest stars in the world. Um, when he was cast, uh, Marvel were like, no, this guy is going to ruin the movie. It was no. all
1: on the backs of Jon Favreau, wasn't it? Yeah,
0: Jon Favreau's was like, I want Robert Downey Jr. I believe he can be Tony Stark. I believe he can um, do this wrong. And it was he was considered a risk to the project. And no one believed in the project. And there was no script. Um, mm. Almost every other line was improvised. There were stories from um, uh, Robert Downey Jr. and Jon Favreau that had come in to film some days. And there was no script. They just stand there <laughs> in the Iron Man costume and just make up lines and, as they're along. Like it was a project nobody believed in, and it mm-hmm. fucking f- just like you know uh, went ultra mega, um, just popular, like stratospheric success. In like, relative to even what like, the initial the expectations time. were,
1: like it was successful, sure, but I would say it's garnered even more success over like, the few years after it came out. Oh yeah.
0: Like I still picked content. up Steam for sure. I'm still. I still think it's one of the, back, the best MCU movies, just because like how fucking good the performances are. Yeah, it's definitely a easy top ten. But I'm just saying like in relative to the expectations, of that movie was a absolute, just like astonishing success. It was Justice yes. League by comparison was a wet fart. And I've just now. I've just been while I was getting my drinks, did a bit of um, uh, just googling, and I've mm. got. Speaking of salt, Lucas, would you like to hear some salt? <laughs> okay. So I have here, this is a, a a tweet from Ray Fisher on Twitter, who plays Cyborg. And yeah. I'm just going to read out what he tweeted, Lucas. And, and I want you to tell me if you can... I want you to tell me what's wrong with it. So Ray Fisher says, What the fans say is canon, is canon. Hashtag restore the Snyderverse. What? What the fans say is canon, is canon. That's that's not how things work. That's literally not how canon works. Yeah. That's the opposite of canon. Yeah. That's fan theories. But Lucas, what the fans say is canon is canon.
1: I mean, obviously, this is just because Ray Fisher was very public about how much he he got screwed over and hated.
0: all the I changes. see, though, because Ray Fisher's, like, the number one, like, guy on Twitter who's like, yeah, restore the Snyderverse, and like, mm-hmm. all I can see is, like, I wish he just ended all of his tweets with, I want to get paid. Yeah. Like, that's all he really says. All I want really says, a bigger part. He's like, wouldn't it be great if I got paid? It's like, no. <laughs> like, your movie, like, you were bad in that movie, just let it go. Yeah, Which, he
1: was the worst part of the Justice League film. Which is really saying a lot when that film was awful.
0: But just that thing, though, of like, what the fans say is canon, is canon. It's like, no, it's not. That's no. not how canon works. Canon is what the fucking creator says it is. Yeah. That's what canon is. Canon is what's established by the films, and if they want to like disregard the canon or change it, that's what the creator has. That's their prerogative, not the fans.
1: Yeah. <sighs> My word. I mean, obviously, there are situations where um, like fan theories then eventually make it into later parts of canon. Yeah. Um, like Retroactively. But you can't just say, no, fans decide what is part
0: of canon. Like, because no. as well, like, what does that mean? Like, if fans are able to do that, that means that I'm a fan of Superman, mm. and I say those films aren't canon, what now? Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I so. want
1: to remove Man of Steel and Batman v Superman from canon. Okay, I'm a fan, so there you go.
0: They're so, no longer canon. 10 so, is no longer canon. Saint you know children what? might be able to die. Yeah, that's why you can't have that. That's why you have to have the like the creator's vision. Because
1: <laughs> fans aren't going to come to a consensus. Because it will be millions
0: of people all having endless arguments with each other. I also as well tracked down that tweet I was referencing. So it says, Hashtag restore the Snyderverse because the movies were box office smashers when compared their closest competitors, the first, uh, the closest competitors' first four movies. So we have here, Man of Steel uh, made 680 million. Iron Man made 585 million. So, but for comparison now, Um, Iron Man had a budget of like 100 all told, after marketing and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Man of Steel had a budget of like 200, 300 million. So actually, it's worse on paper. It's worse.
1: And also, like, a Superman movie, especially at the time, should have been earning five times what a fucking Iron Man movie was making.
0: Yeah, and I just, that person, I'm not even going to give their tweets, I I can't. I can't give them any views, but here we have someone very succinctly points out a very um, sagely points out there's so much wrong with this comparison. I hope the Snyder cut is what fans are hoping it will be, and it's like, but your comparison is disingenuous. The guy responds, Didn't ask, hashtag restore the Snyderverse. <laughs> and then every single time, like, someone just puts in, like, it's really not fair to compare these two universes, like, there's like. You're ignoring so many outside factors that contributed to their success or lack thereof. He's like, no, you're wrong. There's no arguing with people are. You can't, can you? Because he's just like, no, restore the Snyderverse. Or yeah. I didn't ask for your opinion. And then every other response to it is people just spamming hashtag restore the Snyderverse. <laughs> and uh, this led me uh, to do some Googling. Because I saw that tweet and I was like, yeah. Or like if you look just at the numbers, it makes it like the DC Extended Universe is more like popular. But if uh, it's one of the things of like, yeah, if you just look at it and ignore every other outside factor, yeah, it is a success. So I was looking and um, uh, I did some research and found out that there is a couple of other cinematic universes. There's like twenty or thirty established cinematic universes. Oh, and there, um, yeah. No. Not, not all of them are quite popular, but um, well, like for example, uh, something like uh, Shrek is a cinematic universe because you've got Puss in Boots.
1: Oh, right. Okay. Yeah, there's an
0: extent like movies like that. The Despicable Me series is a cinematic. Where universe.
1: Where they technically have like one spin-off movie, so that yeah, or makes one them... or two, or like you yeah, know, they're
0: franchises that have established a universe in which there is other media. And mm-hmm. uh, I was doing some uh, checking, and um, it is the. F- Cause obviously, a lot of DC fans they like to um, compare the DC Centre Universe to the MCU. Understandable, yeah. Uh, but that's not fair because the MCU is such a runaway juggernaut-like success. There is no mm-hmm. comparing to it. Like no other series or franchise or collection of movies is even close to what the MCU has achieved. It is in a league of its own. And, also- and as you
1: mentioned earlier, like even if you could compare them. The DC universe was
0: successful off the back of Marvel's. Yes, but uh, even just going by hard numbers, there is no comparison to the MCU. The MCU, um, you can like, the closest you get is stuff like James Bond. Yeah, which yeah. technically has like thirty movies, and even then, James Bond hasn't grossed as much as the DCU. Oh, sorry, no, as much no. as the MCU, sorry. The MCU. And, and I was looking like, okay, so what cinematic universe can the DC extended universe even compare to? And I found, <laughs> and do you know what its actual closest competitor is. In terms of numbers, uh, in yeah. the last like box office success and the number of movies released, this is one tweet I did see. And it's like the Fast and Furious franchise. Yeah, the Fast and verse as it's known. Um I oh, okay. Bri- I'm, I can go get the numbers for it right now. Cause this sounds really bad, doesn't it? It sounds like I'm being facetious here, but no, it's actually a lot closer than people would think they so, uh. were. I mean, the last few Fast and Furious movies have been hugely of- successful. All over a billion dollars each. So people keeping an image, googling out highest-grossing movie franchises list. So we have here, do 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 film series is on Wikipedia. I'm hoping this is the right one. I'm hoping this is the page. Oh, okay. Oh god, damn My mouse is just like slightly too far away from my keyboard. So it's not doing it. Oh no. So, uh, there we go. I'll put Wikipedia into the clarification. Uh, yeah. Highest-grossing media franchises. Here we go. Oh no, that's, sorry, that's franchise, that's I of like Pokemon in it. Uh,
1: uh right, yeah, yeah. Well, grossing... yeah, Pokemon, most successful. Uh, I, accidentally franchise.
0: Cli- I accidentally clicked on Highest Grossing Films and right at the top is a picture of Kevin Feige. <laughs> it's just his face looking and smiling. It says eight of the 25 Highest Grossing Films were produced um, by Kevin Feige. Hell. What a fucking don. What an absolute fucking don in regards to that. So I'm trying to find. Oh. Ah, there we go. I found it. The list is you have to go on that thing you have to show because if you click on MCU, it comes up as phase one, two, and three, and it takes up the entire page. Uh, That's okay. why. Okay, so I've got the list in front of me now. So um, just for anyone curious, the highest grossing film franchises. It goes, it's the MCU, uh, $22 billion worldwide gross. Number of films, no. 23. <laughs> Next oh, film God. in that list, Star Wars, also owned by Disney, $10 billion worldwide gross, number of films, 12. This is what I mean. The second place winner has earned less than half and has half as many movies. Yeah, That's why this comparison just isn't fair. Mm-hmm. And you go down. So MCU, I think it's, it's safe to say it's in its own class. Oh, Yeah. Like, nothing compares to it until it, they get, in like, another 20 movies. Like, and even if you go to, like, James Bond, James Bond, 26 movies. So three more movies, it has grossed $7 billion. So it is grossed... That's what, 22? Uh, 23 in the MCU, technically. 23. Oh, okay. So it's here. So James Bond has three more movies and it has grossed a third of what it has. Canal. Uh, the Avengers series on its own is the fourth highest grossing cinematic universe. so the Avengers on their own have grossed more than James Bond and the Avengers has four movies fucking hell think about that that's what I mean MCU it's not even fair yeah Uh, but then you have like MCU, Star Wars The Wizarding World of Harry Potter which has ten movies and ten billion dollars so Wizarding World of Harry Potter has almost grossed as much as Star Wars Um, fucking hell Avengers on its own at number four with 7 billion, 7.7 uh, 7 billion. Spider-Man, with nine movies, but that also includes movies in the DC universe. Oh, sorry, in the MCU. And yeah. stuff like, um, uh, what was it now? Into the Spider-Verse. Ah, okay, yeah. So it's not really a, like, a cinematic universe. It's just a franchise around one character. But even then, Spider-Man on his own um, is higher than all of DC. Uh, <laughs> then James Bond, with 7 billion. The X-Men... Uh, with thirteen movies and six billion, uh, Batman as a character on his own with six billion dollars and sixteen different movies. Fucking hell! So sixteen Batman movies have not grossed as much as four Avengers movies. That's crazy. Yeah, and that's what I mean. Like the MCU is just so far beyond the DC. It's not even fair to compare. Then we have after that, we have the Middle Earth series, which is seven movies and five point nine billion dollars gross.
1: Seven um, movies.
0: Uh, yeah, she got the Hobbit movies. You got the the Jackson series, the Lord of the Rings, which is three. Oh, that also includes the Lord of the Rings from nineteen seventy eight. but that made like thirty. Oh, uh, okay. So, te- so that's it, that's a, there's mean. two trilogies, isn't there? That's what I mean. It comp. It, these things are like they compare everything, which is why, like for Batman, you have like sixteen different movies because it's every mm-hmm. movie, including all the animated ones. But then with right, next yeah. we have a um, number ten. Fast and Furious, so the Fast and verse, nine movies, $5.8 billion global gross. The DC Extended Universe, at number 11, $5.6 billion, nine movies. And that's what I mean by it is its closest competitor. Yeah. Because they have made almost exactly the same amount of money and they have the same amount of movies in them. That's fair enough and admittedly the dc Extended universe does include wonder woman but i'm still gonna like say fast and furious is like the winner here overall also like there you know, the wonder woman movie that just came out so technically oh, it like,
1: didn't really release in theaters cuz and, of it, and it's still like you
0: know, and it's still making money now so, but it's, yeah. it seems all fair like they've got one less movie but they also have superman Fast and Furious has fucking Dominic Toretto Paul (laughs) just think about that they have some of the
1: biggest fucking comic book IPs in there not comic book IPs biggest characters
0: in the like the world oh exactly yeah they have Superman Batman Wonder Woman they have the the big three Mm. and the series in which like Vin Diesel (laughs) Doesn't even play the fourth most popular bald character. Has made more money and has a better critical reception.
1: Oh, most definitely. That's yeah. the
0: thing that's worth pointing out. Where like um, almost every Fast and Furious movie, even the early ones, still got good reviews because they are they achieve what they set out. They are dumb car
1: action films,
0: but they are still good
1: action movies. Exactly, they they're
0: done well. They know exactly what they are. I would also argue as well they have more compelling characters in them, (laughs) probably, and as well they're more diverse. And how much do the budgets add up to? Oh, the budgets are a fucking fortune for them. But the Fast and Furious budgets are so high because Furious Seven made one point five billion dollars. Well, what I was thinking is because surely the first few are really low budgets. They do yes, so they like made they made technically they made more money relative to their cost of production, but. Mm-hmm. doesn't matter. The thing I love about the Fast and Furious franchise is they're making another one and every time I hear rumours about them, I'm like, yeah, that makes sense. Like There is no rumour about any Fast and Furious movie that I won't immediately go, yeah, that sounds right. Well, they we made Hobbs and and That was a fucking superhero film, basically. Do you know the next one is rumoured that they're going to go to space? <laughs> like, in the next one, they're bringing back a character who died. It like, is something like yeah, in the Fast yeah. and Furious franchise, uh, Tokyo Drift. Um, the yes. character of Han dies. But he was such a popular character, they didn't kill him off until three movies later. And technically, the three Fast and Furious movies that came out after that are all before that one. And then in the latest one, they just brought him back. Yeah. They're just bringing it. It's like, fuck it, zombie Han, let's go. (laughs) Because I didn't even really watch most
1: of the movies. And I still knew about Han. And he comes back. They brought him back.
0: It's like, fuck it.
1: Like when he appeared in the trailer, I knew that was a hype moment. Even though I didn't know what character that was, like I knew, I knew that was Han because everyone was just losing
0: their shit. Yeah, it's because he's been dead for like three movies, like, and you know what it is because when you've got like super, you've got Black Superman, Idris Elba. <laughs> I like, fuck it, just say that he didn't die. You don't yeah. need to just say no, Fuck it, I got better. Just do the Mass Effect of I got better and never explain <laughs> it. Because I love, have you ever seen all those like, fake posters people make for Fast and Furious? I don't think so. And it's like Fast and Furious 10 and it's just covered in dinosaurs. <laughs> and everyone's like, that makes sense. <laughs> That's it. Oh, God. Just, they,
1: aren't they making like an all-female cast Fast and Furious? As well? They are, yeah. Like That was a weird thing to hear. Just like, know? Why though? It's Would like, you know? oh, because females. Do you like, what
0: though? Okay. It's going to be better than uh, fucking Birds of Prey. I could tell you that for fucking free. Yeah, probably. Because you know why? Because it's gonna have people driving cars and running over dinosaurs. <laughs> it's gonna be great. Uh, but this is why, though, I think like the DC Extended Universe is—it's really sad. It's mm-hmm. uh, 5.6 billion with nine movies. It's, it's, it's you know it's respectable. It's number eleven. It's not in the top ten, but maybe it will be soon. Um, the next one behind it is Jurassic Park, which admittedly has made half a billion dollars less. It has four less movies. <laughs> and given how much the world series is made where the Jurassic World which is going to be a trilogy soon um, has made more money each time yeah, it, it could surpass it with one more movie but then behind that you've got Transformers oh god like Transformers which is a series based on a fucking toy and it's not even it's based on one toy line it's based on one toy line and most of the movies are very bad yeah yeah
1: really bad
0: He's like you know just bringing up the rear and then you go down like just two or three more you've got Pirates of the Caribbean which okay yeah five movies Despicable Me (laughs) Despicable Me is in there it is actually fairer to compare the DC Extended Universe to Despicable Me than it is Marvel Cinematic Universe because it's actually closer on the list hey man those fucking minions make dollar they do and the thing is Lucas Right? You go Despicable Me, Mission Impossible series, Shrek, the Twilight Saga at number 18. <laughs> like, Twilight is actually closer in this list to the DC extended universe than the Marvel cinematic universes. <laughs> Think about that. Twilight as a series is a better like, you know, comparison to it. Hey man, it's got superpowers in it. It's like, number 25 is just Iron Man. Just Iron Man <laughs> on his own. And do you know who he's just beaten out by? Batman? S- no, Superman. no, we said Batman. Superman. Superman? Fucking yeah. hell. Number 24 is Superman, number 25 is Iron Man. And Superman has nine movies. Fuck me. And Iron Man's got three. Jesus Christ. <laughs> like, it's so... But that's what I love about that. Yeah. Yeah like when you like that comparison is so unfair because it's not fair to compare anything to the mcu if anything the only way to make it fair is just to single out individual phases (laughs) and even then if you just go for like um so phase one is 3.8 billion with six movies that would still put it above that will put it like number 15 phase two is 5.2 with six movies that would put it at um, number 12. So that will put it just behind the DC Extended Universe. So the DC Extended Universe is only just popular in Phase 2. Then Phase 3, Phase 3 on its own, is number 2. <laughs> Actually, no. If you just put Phase 3, um, it would be number 1 on its own.
1: Oh, really? Ahead of So Star it Wars. beats
0: Star Wars? Yeah. Phase 3 on its own beats Star Wars. And it's got one less movie than Jesus. Star Wars. Jesus Christ. Yeah, that's I me. Mean. It's in a. It's literally in a category of its own, like it's, fucking Star Wars. Like, the only way to make it fair is to break it down into three separate sections, and even then, it's not fair. It's like uh, <laughs> Wayne Gretzky. Like, are you familiar with Wayne Gretzky? All the great one. Uh,
1: the like amazing hockey player. The right? hockey player,
0: yeah, and like he was so good. Like he is the only player. People don't know Wayne Gretzky was like this phenomenal NHL player. Like, he's one of the best ever. Like he was so good that when he retired, they immediately. Re- like when he retired, they retired his jersey number um, for the entire league, which has never been done before or since. Because what fuck before? it, no, because fuck it. No, no one else is gonna be Wayne Gretzky. He was so good that the place behind the um, uh, the net was called mm. Gretzky's office because that's <laughs> where he scored all his goals. And um, there's like there's a load of there's a bunch of facts about Wayne Gretzky that I just really like. And uh, one of my favourites is that. Um, uh, the Gretzky brothers, like Gretzky has a brother, mm. um, and I think they are, they hold the record for the most assists, um, or the most goals scored by a pair of brothers, and it's like Wayne Gretzky's like 8,000, his brother scored two. Oh my god. In like a uh, exhibition match once. So I'm just going to you go know What I'm just going to go get some Gretzky facts right now. Oh, okay. We'll keep I, I'm, I'm always down for this. Here we go, yeah. So here we go. So here's some facts about Wayne Gretzky. So Wayne and Brent Gretzky hold the NHL record for most combined points by two brothers: two thousand and eight hundred and fifty-seven for Wayne, four for Brent. <laughs> uh, oh. when, when Wayne Gretzky retired in nineteen ninety-nine, he held or shared sixty-one NHL records. Twenty-one years later, he still holds or shares sixty. Whoa. Joe as well he actually Joe as well he actually broke a record. What so do yeah, you mean? the most recent of Wayne Gretzky's 60 NHL records was set sometime after he retired. His points per game average of 1.921 was second only to uh, Mario uh, Lemieux, uh, 2.005, who later came out of retirement and lowered his own average, <laughs> moving Gretzky to the number 1 spot. <laughs>
1: Oh, that's incredible. Like, coming back from retirement to break, like, to lose a record. He lost
0: a record. Wayne Gretzky was so dominant. This is one that I love that in fantasy hockey, many leagues split his stats into two players Wayne Gretzky goals and Wayne Gretzky assists. <laughs> he was so good that you had to choose one or the other. Oh, you had to literally break up his stats. Yeah, he was too good.
1: Oh, man. And I, I really wonder how it's possible that one person can be so much better than... Everyone else. Everybody else.
0: Here you go, Lucas. Um, uh, Wayne Gretzky, uh, if, you, if you took his points and removed every single goal he ever scored, he would still be the all-time leader in points. Due to the sheer amount of assists they he helped. What? That breaks my head yeah so if he even if you say he never scored a goal he'd still be the highest point scoring NHL player of all time <laughs> so how do you compete with that you don't oh, and when I'm... did he retire uh, like 99 I think
1: yeah so this is not not just it's a case of players are getting better over time.
0: When Wayne Gretzky married his wife in 1988, it was broadcast live throughout Canada and dubbed the Royal Wedding. (laughs) That's how much Canada loves hockey. Oh, That's incredible. Uh, When Wayne Gretzky was 10 years old, he scored 378 goals in a single season. (sighs) Fuck my life. He's so good. Like, he's so fuck. that's what I mean like he is in a completely different league to any other player to the point where it was literally not fair to let both his points uh, his goals and his assists be on the same player because why would you not put him on your fantasy league
1: yeah yeah like, why would you
0: not like, he's the best player ever it's like um, Steph Curry um, did you ever see the thing about him like the basketball player
1: uh, I know, I know the name.
0: Okay, he's That's the, about it. He's the basketball player who was so good, or is so good that when he was, he scored so many three pointers. They legitimately thought about moving the three point line <laughs> in basketball because they thought, well, he's so good that like players are just con- getting better and better and better and better that maybe we should move the three point line to like oh mo- make it you know more difficult to like you know just keep the game as a competition and they actually said well we can't do that because the statistician looked at it and went if we moved it back it would only benefit him <laughs> because he's still he's so good he'd still be out of score and no one else would <laughs> if anything you need to make it to make it fairer for other people you need to move it closer
1: yeah, so that other people can actually get
0: three-pointers like yeah. he does. And he's so good in real life that when they were trying to make him in, like, NBA or something, like the NBA games, they couldn't mm-hmm. They couldn't figure out a way to make his stats high enough to make him realistically better than people in-game because the stats didn't <laughs> go high enough. It's like, what? It's like, they couldn't figure out a way to make his shooting score, like, good enough in the I game. I'll tell you what,
1: just make everyone else just a one in three-pointers. And make him ninety nine. It's oh, fine.
0: It's it's like just he's so good in real life.
1: That's amazing. <laughs> so I love the idea of people sitting down and going, "We need to change the rules of this game because of this fucker." What's
0: well, that's, that's happening basketball? We made like a, a fact fiend video we did about it where um, I'll, I'll look it up now fact just to get like the actual name of the guy fact fiend basketball. Cool. Yeah. Read out my on articles and videos. Fuck it. Yeah. Here it is? Yeah. Let's do it. So it is. It's a guy here. Uh, George Mikan. So he is one of the earliest big men, um, quote unquote, from basketball, where he was uh, previously, before George Mikan came on to the scene, um, basketball was dominated, quite oddly enough, by relatively short men, compared to what basketball players are now. Um, oh, like okay. People, like six foot was like the average, I think, before George Mikan came on the field. And I shit you not, when... The coach scouted George Mikan, who was six foot ten inches tall,
1: <laughs>
0: uh, to play on his team. Uh, other coaches and like sports publications and journalists were like, "Well, there's no way that he's ever going to be any good at basketball. He's too tall." Really? Yeah. Think about that for a moment, Lucas. It's like given like how much um, basketball today is dominated by taller men. Yeah. He was literally clapped like. Diff- like told he was too tall to be good at basketball
1: what
0: yeah uh, it was because they thought he was too awkward they thought well he's so tall like, like how does a man this large play with any finesse but he's going to be like too uncoordinated or something yeah and what his coach did is he made Mike and take ballet
1: oh uh, wow he okay. to, improve,
0: to improve his like finesse and his control over his own body and he specifically made him take ballet lessons with women who were five feet tall and the idea was, I want you to be able to move with as much grace as you can around people much shorter than you, because that's all you're gonna be playing against. Yeah, true. And then it's like the thing is though, like his coach was such a genius because when all the other players, all the other coaches like he's like, yeah, he's tall, but what can a tall man really do in basketball? He made him stand in front of the net. <laughs> Right, he, he just said, stand in front of the net and slap the ball aside. Mm-hmm. And you might be thinking, Lucas, but well, isn't goal tending against the rules? And it is now, but it wasn't then. Because oh. the, the thinking at the time was that because... The, the thing at the time was um, there is no way that any player could just stand in front of the net and block it. Mm-hmm. Why would we make that a rule? So what George Michael would do is he would just stand in front of his own net and then not move, <laughs> and, and that's the thing. Like, what is an enemy team going to do? Bear in mind, he was tall enough to just reach up and put his hand in front of the net. So what he would do is he would just reach up, put his hand in front of the net, and then catch the ball when someone tried to shoot. <laughs> and then he would just pass it to someone all the way down the bottom of the, um, uh, the. Yeah. I don't know. Is it a field in basketball? The court. The court. The court. Yeah. And they real like it quickly became apparent that there is literally no way to counter out this tactic. Like, there is zero way to stop him doing this because there's nothing against the rules. He can just go stand in front of the net and stop every single, like, chance to score we have. <laughs> so they made it a rule so he couldn't do that. Oh, my God. And the best of it is as well, of enemy... Opposing teams got so mad about this, uh, they would make it a mission to try and injure him. Mm. Uh, and this is like a thing they do now. It's like the hacker Shack, uh, where back in the day when Shack was like really dominant, uh, they would deliberately foul Shack to try and stop him from playing to his best of his abilities because he was so large and tall that once he had the ball, you would never get it off him. Holy shit! Uh, but here's the thing that like, Shack was playing with people like you know who were close to his size. George Michael was playing with people a foot shorter than he was. <laughs> you, so you could probably guess uh, how well these attempts to injure him went and even when he was yeah. injured even if he had an injured leg he could just stand near the net yeah uh, because here's the thing um, he could also do that tactic at the other side of the court so sometimes even if he was injured he'd just limp over to their side of the court get them to pass him the ball and then just drop it through the net <laughs> and no one could stop him uh, uh
1: that's great and like as you said then rules are
0: implemented to stop that kind of shit but but here's the thing as well there's also another rule that he indirectly inspired because he was so good and so dominant that uh, many teams realised the only way we can beat his team and stop him is to get one point and then not pass <laughs> because <laughs> okay. there was no room in basketball I think it was the shot clock now where you can hold the ball for like 30 seconds and you have to pass Mm-hmm. Yeah, but yeah. there was no shot clock in basketball when, when Mike and ended the um, uh, end of the game. So what they would do is they would get one goal and then just hold the ball. Oh, my God. And again, this one of those things they never anticipated people do. It's like, why would you not try and score? Yeah. But why would we try and score? We're one point ahead and there is no way for the opposing team to get the ball without fouling us, which gives us a point. Mm-hmm. And some players were so brazen, they would just sit on the ball because there was no rule against it so why would you not do that so they would literally put the ball on the ground and sit on it and there was zero way to get the ball back without committing a foul oh my god so they put the shot clock in so you directly inspired like directly inspired one run indirectly inspired another but fucking just like i kind of wish they didn't do that (laughs) because <laughs> i would look like i love when people figure shit out like that i'm like there's no rule that says we can't just stand still with the ball so let's just do that yeah you Got min max it carl min max go for it it's like uh, i remember like do you ever see that advert back in the day It was like a, a beer advert where it's like oh it's a joking for like a joke formation in football called the six pack where players run around as a, a group of six <laughs> like a six pack of B. I think it's like a Heineken advert where they run around as right. a group of six with the ball in the middle of them and run into the back <laughs> of the net. And there's like a joke advert talking about how it's the latest unstoppable tactic in football, because you can't tackle six men at once. <laughs> <laughs> and they just run into the back of the net. And I kinda wish players would do that.
1: I still just really upset that, that um like extra time multi ball
0: doesn't exist. Oh man. It's like there's something football as well as a great one. It's a, a gif or a video you see going around every now and again. and uh, like, I don't really understand the rules of football. Do you know, like when they've got the ball and they pass it back and then you run forward? Uh, so that, that's uh, the basic rules of football, is it? You get the ball passed and you've got to like, try and rush up the field. Do you mean American football? American football, yes. Ah, oh, right, okay. Yeah. Uh, every now and again you see that legendary gif of like a, a college game where like, the quarterback gets past the ball and he just stands up and he casually walks towards the referee with the ball as if there's a problem. Hmm. And then when he gets to the referee, he keeps walking past the referee and just legs it up the field. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, what a ballsy play. Yeah. like He just gets the ball, then he stands up, and then everyone on the pitch and everyone on his side of the field pretends something's wrong. <laughs> and then all the, the opposing team are like, huh? What's going on? What's going on? You see him walk towards the referee and he just legs it. It's, oh, God. I want more things like that in sport. Mm-hmm. Of people just like finding out. Well, it's not technically against the rules to do this, so this is what I'm gonna do.
1: It's like when you're playing as like a kid with your mates or whatever, and you're all just you can't really enforce an offside rule, so you just get yeah. the one dickhead who's like, "All I'm gonna do is stand in front of the goalkeeper, just pass me the ball."
0: Yeah,
1: goal It's grease. Like, okay, cool. But there's oh, but you're cheating. It's like, well, uh, we can't enforce offside. It's fine.
0: Yeah, it's just goal greasing. Yeah, the only way you know you got to do that is just shame. You have to shame the pl- person who goal greases. You do, yeah. Like you can't have any of that. Or like when you're in the net, like, you're allowed to just snap him in half when they turn the bats. Yeah, that was the rule we <laughs> have in ours. If someone goal greases the um, goalkeeper's like I was like snap him.
1: Oh god, I haven't heard that term in a while. Just fucking snap them. It's the only way.
0: It's the only <laughs> way people will learn. But it's like uh, in football, like English football. Yeah, um, Rory Delap is one of my favourite players just because he was a javelin. Um, a high school like javelin-throwing champion. Oh, and was he? he? Okay. When he picked up yeah. football, uh, he found out that he could throw the ball literally from the halfway line into the back of the net. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, as a kid, or as a teenager, he would like basically win games by just throwing the ball into the back of the net from the halfway line. Well, like, half of their tactic for like, having him on the team
1: was just... Get a throw-in at the halfway line and launch it into the box.
0: And he would throw it all the way. And for people are wondering, like Americans, maybe like I don't get what you mean by a throw-in. It is if the ball gets kicked out of play on the side, um, you get to th- um, a player on the opposing team gets to throw it back into play. And if it gets kicked um, out of bounds on the side where the goals are, you get um, a free kick. Oh, sorry, it's a corner kick, isn't it? A corner kick, yeah. And for the most part, a corner is seen as being um, way more advantageous than a throw-in because you can mm-hmm. kick the ball more accurately and further, or most yeah. football players can. Uh, mm-hmm. So you often have a scramble. Uh, when you have a scramble in like the very corner of the fields, um, mm-hmm. it is a tactic that a lot of uh, players have to kick the ball against the opposing player to bounce it off their legs out of bounds to get a yeah. throw-in or a free kick. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's like, you know... Yeah, that's fair enough. That's a tactic. And I love that yeah, idea is, yeah. as well, like kicking the ball into the opposing player so it bounces off of them and goes out of bounds. That's a tactic in and of itself. That's amazing. And but, then
1: you get the free play, yeah. Because
0: they technically kicked it out of bounds. But the one that I like is you would have when Rory Dillat was on the field, players would intentionally kick the ball out to give the other team a corner because they didn't want to give them a throw-in. <laughs> yeah. They would give away one of the like, most advantageous things for the opposing team to have, specifically to neuter that one player. And because he could so throw so far as
1: well, the other thing about throw-ins that like, doesn't often come up is that you can't be offside from
0: a throw-in. So you can like run all the way into... Basically, and offside is you just, you're not allowed to have one of your players... Past the defensive line of all of your uh, the other team, yeah. Essentially, because it stops you, it stops that situation of just having someone stand by the opposing net the entire game Mm -hmm. and just kicking the uh, the ball the field to them and letting them score straight away. Because it's like not in the spirit of competition to do that. But that's not the case for a throw in. So just give him one, and you can throw it from the halfway line.
1: Yeah, because it normally doesn't matter when the guy can throw the ball five ten feet, but when when he's just launching it
0: up the pitch, it's like okay. And the thing about that I loved is when he played for Stoke City. It was my brother's favourite team. Is like, how oh, I found out about this guy. And hmm. they got Peter Crouch as their oh, yeah. lead striker. Peter Crouch is six foot ten. Yeah. And as you might imagine, folks at home, like you're not beating him in the air. Like, like he,
1: if, if he gets a ball thrown to him, like he's
0: getting the header. He's winning yeah, that header. No one's beating him in there. So they had Rory DeLapp, a man who can throw the ball halfway across the field with pinpoint <laughs> accuracy. And then they had Peter Crouch, a man who's six ten and he's one of like the tallest and most accurate um, headers in the game. Yeah. What do you think their tactic was, folks? So it's, it's just get a fucking throw in, give it to Rory, let him throw it all the way across the field, and just fucking slap, like, slap it in back at net.
1: Well, the thing was, even if you didn't do that, you'd throw it to Crouch. You could just head it down to another player who could fox. <laughs> There's nothing he could do.
0: It was so dominant; no yeah. one could stop him.
1: And that's the thing—you knew exactly what they were going to try, but it's so difficult to counteract it. Like they weren't the best team in the league or anything by any means, but that one specific tactic
0: just—it got them so much fucking like not even luck, just achievement and I remember because my brother um, he played FIFA a lot online and not a lot of people because when you play FIFA online what do you think people what teams do you think people pick
1: everyone just picks the people who won the league last year
0: yeah people pick AC Milan or Manchester United and he would always go online as Stoke and (laughs) he would beat people as Stoke by like just getting a throw in because they, for some reason, like, obviously, not for some reason, they did, because obviously the player in real life can't throw the ball that far. But they programmed Roy Dill to be able to throw the ball just as far in the game. <laughs> so which meant that you could throw it directly into the box and just get a header every single time. And he would just go online and beat people like 4-0 as Stoke. And they'd just quit. Because <laughs> they couldn't handle it. No, There's nothing you could do. Yeah. Because the game just wasn't programmed to handle a man being able to throw the ball that far. So like, like my brother, you'd see him do it, and you'd see like you control two players at once mm-hmm. immediately when he got the throw in. You just see like his little Peter Crouch running, to, running <laughs> just off, yeah, in. running off camera towards their side of the field. But obviously, the person he's playing against doesn't realize that the ball's gonna just fly into the <laughs> fucking corner. So when oh, he well, so obviously when Crouch or so when the ball and the camera follows the ball, it would almost always just follow it into a Peter Crouch, just stood in a completely empty <laughs> uh, part of the field with no, with no one to beat but the keeper. Yeah, and he just tap it in every single time.
1: Oh, that's And that's amazing. how he would
0: win online and everyone got super salty about it because oh, it went hand in hand with the tactic that was really prevalent in that version of FIFA, which was Cristiano Ronaldo is really fast, so people would pass mm. it to him and then just run down the the wing because he's so fast. So all and there do was is-
1: that that whole thing um, on older Fifas like where the AI couldn't handle it, where you just run all the way up the wing, get to like the the line where you know. The, the field ends just cross it and in. just pass it backwards and the goalie would just shit the bed and they'd score yeah and it, it would just be matches where it's like eight to nine goals each side because you just run up the field pass it backwards and score
0: yeah i still think though the best thing i saw my brother do on that game is um like you can do tr- when they introduce tricks into the game Oh, they're great, yeah. And it very quickly became a thing of, when you're winning, like 2-3-0, go into your own corner and just do keepy-ups with your back <laughs> yeah. to the other... Play- because the only way the player has to get the ball off you is to tackle you, which gives you a free kick or a corner. Yeah, because they'd always either foul you or they'd get the ball, but
1: immediately kick the ball out of bounds.
0: Yeah, which gives you a goal kick. And what do you think you do with your goalie? You get your goalie to pass it to the side to a player who's <laughs> in the corner and then starts doing keepy-ups... My brother did that for a good 10 minutes against another person when he was winning
1: 1-0. And then they just get really frustrated and start getting like red cards and shit. Yeah, they, they, start, they to slide they, tackle, you. They
0: slide tackle, get a red card and get a player sent off. And I remember my brother winning a match 1-0 because the other guy slide tackled his goalkeeper so many times, doing keepy <laughs> up so that he had no, not enough players to continue the match and forfeited. <laughs> yes. It's just, I want to see though, that tactic in a real match. <laughs> I want to see like an actual proper professional team pass the ball to the side and make their player do keepy ups like right in the corner, so there's no way for the other person to get the ball. Just for eighty minutes after they scored one. Because as far as I'm aware, that's not against the rules. There is no rule for time. The rule against time wasting isn't it? if the goalkeeper holds onto the ball for too long. <laughs>
1: Only the goalkeeper, though, because the goalkeeper
0: can't get the ball taken out of his hands. Yeah, so there's a, a rule against time-wasting, and I think... But one of the things that you'll see, and I love this. I know people hate it because it's, it's really frustrating, but one of the things I love is when the match is in overtime, mm. and you'll see that a team's winning by like one goal, Yeah, and they'll get the goal kick, and like, the goalkeeper will like really slowly walk to the edge of his box... Does, and then yeah. really yeah. slowly roll it to someone and then the person will just boot it as hard as they can into the other person's field. And it's like so. Yeah. But I just want to see that that tactic in real life of just getting the ball and just not passing.
1: Just, just take just it to the corner. <laughs> take
0: it to the corner and just stand in the corner.
1: Yeah. Now, you I want to see is just sitting on the ball.
0: That's what I want to see. I don't think you're allowed bit, to do that, that in football. tactic. You no, know, you're I've, not, no. You're know, not any other part of your feet, but I would love to just see someone use FIFA tactics in real life and just do keepy-ups yeah. in, in the corner until the other team gets so mad they slide, tackle them, get a free kick. <laughs> and just do oh, it. Win 3 now. Germany efficiency. It's the main line does that. He always plays as Germany. He gets one goal, goes into ultra-defensive. And and puts like, Joe, the team composition where it's like six players in the defense. Yeah. And then just absolutely swarms any player who comes into his half. (laughs) And when he has the ball, um, just gets all his players in a big group and just stands in the corner and just keeps going over the microphone saying German efficiency (laughs) 1 0. It's so good. It's it's hilarious to watch, but must be infuriating to play against.
1: Oh, yeah. Players like that are super infuriating, but that makes it even easier to play in
0: that style because people get infuriated and start getting players. Or usually they'll
1: just quit. Or just quit,
0: yeah. And give him the free win. But I just like, nothing was more funny to me than when he did it. I was watching him do it online and the guy is screaming down the microphone at him. (laughs) On the other end, my friend says, German efficiency, 1-0. (laughs) 1-0. Ultra defensive, let's go. Uh, and he would do that thing of every time he gets a goal kick, he would wait the absolute most amount of time to take the goal kick. Yeah, he would always like when he's doing the, uh, the when he gets a corner or something like that, switches between all his players one by one, drag <laughs> it out as long as you can. Germany, fish. You know what? It's annoying, but it works. The win's hit, a win. The the win's a win. Yeah. Go back to that old Fast and Furious thing. Alright, you know what? A win's a win. Don't matter if you win by an inch or a mile. <laughs> wins a win, but just the fact that every time that like someone would scream, he would go German efficiency 1 0. <laughs> because the 1 0 victory is the most insulting of all victories. Oh, God. Nothing better than the 1 0. Fucking loved it. Fucking 1 0. <laughs> what a way to end it. 1 0. That's how we're ending this podcast, Luke. It's just 1 0. Oh, okay. That's one-nil. what I said. One way to end it 1 0. Just I don't I can't think of anything funnier that he did.
1: Oh fair, fair.
0: I laughed so hard to see that the guy rematched him. <laughs> and just did like you know, that super aggressive thing like he went straight into the box. Yeah. And my mate was like, how do you beat that? How do you defeat a man who's ultra defensive and just went to the ultra defense and just did nil nil that time and took it to golden goal <laughs> and just scored one goal in golden goal, ultra efficiency. Let's go. <laughs> The true win. It's the best win of all. Because like, I think when he took it to the like, golden goal, uh, like, he'd been playing for like a good like, 20, 30 minutes against this guy. Then he scored mm. the one goal. And then, of <laughs> course, when you scored that one goal, you have to do like the most elaborate possible celebration and do not skip the replay. Oh, well, Never I, skip I, the replay.
1: No, you can't skip the replay. I thought you were just going to say salmon into the back of the net. No,
0: obviously, yeah, but... And that's where I got my favourite phrase, which is that another friend of mine, when he plays FIFA, every single time he scores a goal, he says, I'm going to celebrate like I've won the World Cup. (laughs) And even if he's losing like 3-0 and scores one goal, he refuses to skip the replay and just watches the thing and stands up and celebrates alongside his
1: players. It takes like the longest amount of time to celebrate.
0: Celebrate like you've won the World Cup. Every time. (laughs) It's great. I love it before we end Lucas anything you'd like to plug for the people at home uh, yeah
1: I'll just do my usual plug of if you'd like to watch some of my gaming content I'm legend of Kanto both on Twitch and YouTube fucking two right ears hell
0: yeah and then for me just yeah have fun go go play FIFA and win one now <laughs> do it German efficiency German efficiency folks at German efficiency